Hello, and welcome to a monumental episode of They Made Another One? Sounded like the outro voice. It's not. We're here, and it's the two-year anniversary of doing this podcast. And I know what you're thinking. Is he just building up hype? Is he just really excited about this? Did he forget to pull the script up for the intro? All of those things might be true. This is the podcast where the Scooby Snacks of podcasting get together each week. And we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise. See if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. With me, always, is Liam. Hello, always. Every day. Most of the time. It's every day, bro. Mitch is here as well. Hello. Hello. I'm really glad to be here. The red carpet is rolled out. It's TMAO Awards, baby. Yeah. Oh, you just... Why aren't we doing categories? Dun, 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 dun. We will have to do. We'll have to do a, a second uh, between season episodes that's specifically for awards. Yeah, because yeah. that's a really good idea. So we're having we're, we're we're cooking up heat right on the podcast. But this is our season two finale slash two year anniversary retrospective spectacular that we will do before the next season kicks off. If you remember a year ago. Liam and I sort of sorted out our top tens, looked back on everything that we watched, sort of reminisced and remembered. And this episode is going to be a lot like that. We have each arranged a roughly 10 movie list um, out of everything, the 50-ish movies, I think it's 53, that we watched over the last year. Um, Mitch is actually going to be ranking all 20 movies that he has done on the podcast ever. So... He's got those. I have 11, and then I believe Liam has a list of 10. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm one to stick to the rules. On top of that, we have all also picked a worst movie. And to spice things up a little bit, um, we are going to guess what the worst movie for everyone was as well as the best. But before we do all that, you know, I just want to... A lot happened in the last year. Somebody else joined the show. Mm -hmm. For example, welcome Mitch. Again, uh, we got new art from our good friend Jade. She was on the show. A bunch of our friends were on the show. And we introduced the William Castle Film Genero, which uh, certainly changed things a little bit in how we picked out these movies. Our lists so, might be indicative of that. It'll be very interesting. Our hamstrung slightly by the fact that the movies were not up to us. Mine just certainly like, is. <laughs> <laughs> but just like open floor here. Like what what sticks out looking back at the last like you're the podcast, whether it's like movies or bits or just like, how are you feeling about it? It's been a whole other year. We've been doing this for a long time. Well, for me, um, the year went by, I'd say much quicker than the first year. Um because that first year, we got interrupted by COVID. It would have been, what, Corey, like six months into it? Seven months into the podcast? A bit more than that, perhaps. Because we started in about August. COVID really hit in March. We so, started in July. Because yeah. the first episode went out July 31st. Right. Uh, so somebody faster than me do that math, and there you go. Cool. Okay. The listeners did it as fast as they can. And so, yes, um... March hit, COVID hit, and so that sort of made the year feel a bit more uh, just like dynamic in terms of what I was doing and where I watched the movies, the recording situations you and I had, Corey. Some of them were recorded on phones because they had to be. 
Some of them, I was on the floor at like my in-laws place. Some of them, I had just moved into a new house. Um, some of them, you were now in the house that I was formerly in. And there was all sorts of jumping around. And we were picking out the movies much more deliberately. Um, that didn't mean we had necessarily seen the movies or had thoughts on the movies, but we were distinctively picking them out. Whereas a lot of this year, we were using that film, William Castle film genero, uh, in which case, at one point, we picked out the movies, mostly me. I put down a movie that I thought would be cool to one day in the future do on the podcast. But then week after week, I had to reckon with my past decisions and like... <laughs> It was like the future is now, right? Like every time I put a movie on that list, mostly because I'm still very used to the format we initially did where I'd put a movie on the list and it would stay there until we decided to do that movie. And maybe it would just stay there forever. And I was like, yeah, we're never actually going to do this, but I'll put it down just in case. So we remember to think of it if we ever want to. But then with the introduction of the film genre, which happened very naturally after we did House on Haunted Hill, all of a sudden it it did feel right and i'm really glad we did it i'm glad we have it in our back pocket and and we're gonna keep doing it maybe not so often we can talk about that later but um uh, it just made the the movie picks more dynamic even though my living situation and uh the covid situation as well sort of sort of stayed a bit more controllable and so it felt more like a routine this year in that i would watch the movies typically a day or two beforehand in the same place i watched them last week we would record about the same time in the same method and so um when i look back on last year the thing that i really think of is mitch coming on and and joining us full force and uh i'm really glad that that happened mitch what about you wow uh there's so much that sort of changed and i've of course I can remember listening to the show when it first kind of uh, when it first dropped because I was I was living away and and uh, then I came back and I was like oh I should do like a few episodes and I remember doing like that that short run of movies in the midsection just sort of coming back as a guest and then finally Doctor Moreau came around and I was uh, I was brought on I think in fourth I think Doctor Moreau, Moreau was my first official on the on the cast I'm not sure I believe that is right yeah but. Um, yeah, it's, and then it's just sort of been <laughs> lots of genero, and I've really enjoyed <laughs> being on the show because I've learned, I've 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 learned things about myself, and sort of, I've it's broadened broadened my taste quite a bit as well too. Not really my taste, but like what I thought I'd be seeing, and sort of like I'm being surprised by things that I didn't think I would like or that I would never sought out on my own. So the genero has its rewards for sure. Um, it also has its. Uh, it's pitfalls as well. And uh, I think we're going to explore those at length tonight, but thoroughly it's just been an experience I've enjoyed so much. And uh, I'm looking forward to many more into the next, uh, to the next season. Yeah. And I think the goal of the show, I think is at least in part a, to shine a light on movies that perhaps will be underseen or under loved, but also like, I think it is a good opportunity to make sure that every week you're getting to something that like, it might be out of your wheelhouse or perhaps even your comfort zone and just giving it a try. So hearing that's definitely nice. I think that's true. I, I think this year flew by comparatively because, um, you know, for better or worse, you know, you get stuck in a rut. I don't know why I said for better or worse, like it wasn't an inherently bad year. Um, so mostly for worse. But 
it gave us a lot of time to sort of focus on this and get to a lot of kind of out there stuff. And I've had a lot of fun doing it. We got some elaborate editing in the mix now. I keep giving myself more work to do, but that's also been fun. And I'm looking forward to doing more of it. But I, I always kind of cherish the opportunity to look back and realize like, holy shit, we got you a lot of stuff. Um, th- This show is like the most consistent way I watch anything now is like I know at least once a week I'm watching some kind of fucking weird movie for this. And uh, that's been really nice. And, you know, sitting down to rank these was actually kind of difficult um, because I was I was telling the guys that like nothing was speaking to me as I looked at the list. Like I had the rundown of like what was the best in my opinion but it really could have went in any order and then i you know i slept on it got up and now i think i have an order that i'm more or less happy with and i'm excited to get that out there um what was that ranking process like i guess for Liam it'd be more like mine so we can start there and then because i know mitch you had to like take stock of everything which i'm sure was like mine's mine's i Again, a sh- much shorter list than what you have for this time around. So it's going to be interesting for me guessing, having not seen some of the things. And then also, um, yeah, it's kind of a, a weird short list. I'm doing my own thing. So uh, let's hear yeah. let's hear Liam talk about it a bit. Well, I just scrolled through on our podcast app and uh, looked at the title of every single movie that we've done since our last top 10 episode. So everyone, that starts with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Next Generation, and everything from there until Unmasked Part 25 is all on the table. Um, and so I just scrolled through all those titles and um, decided to write down every title I came across that I thought, okay, that is that is possible top 10 potential. I've at least got to consider that. And so I would write that down and I did that from front to back. And by the time I got to the end of it, I found I had exactly 10 titles. Um, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't counting them as I went along, but it was exactly 10. And so I thought, okay, I'm not going to confuse this. I'm not going to overthink it, give myself the yips, because there's definitely more than 10 movies that I do really like, and we'll talk honorable mentions. Um, And so if I had thought about it too much, maybe I would have convinced myself to slip some of those in. And But I thought that that would be a disservice to like my gut feeling with which I think I've got to trust. And so I have these 10 that I was immediately really, really uh, confident that these are my 10. But then from that point on, I wasn't so sure. And I've really I've been thinking about it over the last week or so. Um, I even spent yesterday watching a bunch of these movies again to refresh myself and see where I stand now. I got through four of the ten, and a good chunk of those I felt like I didn't need to rewatch either because I had seen them so recently or I remembered them very well. Um, so I rewatched four of them. I'll, I'll talk about what four of those are as we go on. And um, I came to the conclusion... From rewatching those four films, from comparing those to my letterboxed account, my, my rankings, my ratings that I do there at Graham the Mallow, it, it turned out that every movie, uh, all of those four, I had rated a 4.5 after watching them on the podcast. I wow. watched them, I watched them, and then I rate them uh, really shortly after. And so I, I found that they were all 4.5 out of 5. I didn't remember doing that. And from rewatching them, they all became five out of fives to me. And 
Then, in checking out the other six movies that I had on my list, either I had already marked them as a five out of five, (laughs) or they are 4.5s, and so I have to believe that had I been able to rewatch them like I did the other four, they very well would have became five out of five. So as far as I'm concerned, all ten of these movies are ten out of tens to me. So organizing them was pretty difficult because last year I knew for certain like what the top three would be and I knew for certain that the invisible man was number one and then my 10 might have been like an eight out of 10 or so I would have to recheck it out but uh this time I guess just because of the William Castle film genero the gap between my number 10 and everything that follows is pretty huge. I really think I managed to secure the only 10 movies out of all that we did that are 10 out of 10 to me. So it's uh okay. I'm I'm glad that a top 10 is like the common thing that people do because if we had to do a top 13 or even like a top 9, something would either be left out or something would be included that that isn't on these levels. So <laughs> so my 10 out of 10 is banging, but the order is still giving me butterflies. I'll I'll see how that ends up. I okay. think Okay. Do- do you want to do your honorable mentions now? We can get those out of the way before we get to the meat of it here, because I only have a couple. You know, Corey, I was thinking honorable mentions should be saved until we're done the list so that we So don't... somebody might risk incorrectly guessing our best as an honorable mention well, and being wildly but, embarrassed. Yeah, I think so. It's like I America's so. Funniest Home Videos. They always bring that in like right before the, the grand finale, the honorable mentions, and that's always the best part. That's all we need now. Okay. Right, okay. because because last season, I I one, I thought that Corey and I were going to have the exact same number one. I thought for sure. Can I address this? Right now. now? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. So Liam last year was like, I bet that we're both going to say our number one is the Invisible Man. In ranking my list last year, um, I made my number one, the Rage Carry 2, to make a point. I I still think I stand by that. However, I did make one egregious error, which was my thought being these were both new movies that we saw in theaters that were like... um you know, updates or continuations of legacy horror things. And I tied Dr. Sleep and the Invisible Man in the same slot. My thought being, now they're both on the list. That's pretty cool. That was a huge fucking mistake. And I would like to correct the record. And we got to remind oh, people that that was, that was slot number seven, seven as well. It wasn't seven, even like a, a two. Seven. Because I put, I ended up putting the Invisible Man where Dr. Sleep was, what I should have done. Uh, is put the Invisible Man at the top. If I wanted to do a tie, I could have put it there and then still had the Rage Carry 2 to make a point. I think that is a fair correction. Sure. There it yeah. is. So, I mean, that's that just goes to show that I think we're going to be surprised about these lists because probably a, a, as the great Corey Matthews said in Boy Meets World, you can you can make the same mistakes over and over. You can learn the same lessons over and over and still be so stupid. So, it, wow. it, it might turn out that we, that we do something similar again. But uh, yeah. but I will say yeah, for me ahead. too, like uh, I do have a number one that I feel good about, but it could have been a couple different things. So right, yeah, we'll have to see how this shakes out. Also, this is not an a science or an art. And uh, if we said some really wild shit about a movie and then it doesn't end up here where you thought it would. We're fallible. I don't know, man. Figure it out. Like we're just here making a list, having a good time. My list is uh, art, though. I will say no, that. Okay, so with all that out of the way, let's 
guess now and then mitch can do 19 to 11 of his thing and then we do our top 10s does that sound good to everybody that sounds good yeah and so mitch is going to do his 19 to 11 so that his number one bottom is saved for later yes and that's just so like we're gonna rattle through that chunk faster so we have like an even and clean top 10 to split amongst the three of us so sounds good yes that sounds fun okay uh i can go first because i'm still talking so i guess i'll do that um knowing that mitch's list is all the movies mitch or Corey, all the movies i've ever seen on the show it's a, it's a short yeah. it's a short list but it's also a weird list because i practically didn't choose any of these i'd so like keep to going, say, keep going i want to hear i want to hear what you thought i think his favorite's cat people i i gotta gotta chime in saying i would have said the same thing Cat okay. People is number one for me. So Mitch. we both think Mitch's favorite is Cat People. Interesting. I think his least favorite, looking at this list, was Chud 2, Bud the Chud, I think. Yeah, let's go with that. Sure. Okay. Okay, and uh, for me, Mitch... Um, Oh man, <laughs> the anticipation is killing me. I know that I just chimed in on cat people, and I think. All right, all right. If, if if it's not too late, I'll switch it. Mitch's number one is going to be the color of money, <laughs> and Mitch's very bottom is going to be Ace Ventura Two: When Nature Calls. Mitch was cool with Bud the Chud. Bud the Chud is going to be like. Oh wait, m- okay. Can I make an edit mid- as well, and then mid-teens. we have to lock our shit in? I yeah. think you're right. I think Ace Ventura 2 will be his least favorite. I'm going to lock it in. Cat people, Ace Ventura. There's okay. mine. Yeah. Liam, are you locked in? Color of money, Ace Ventura. Okay, so now, we, Mitch, do you want to guess Liam's? We can do that. I don't know if I'm going to know what Liam's number one is. Um, Just give it, a, give, it a, give, it a, give it a shot. But yes, again, we got, we got to remind people here that Mitch, Mitch has the deck stacked against him because a lot of the movies that could be on me and Corey's list, it could even be every single one because Mitch uh, has only done 20 episodes in total. Mitch might not have seen these movies. He might not have heard the episodes where we talked about these movies that we're going to have listed. So he's, But that means, Mitch, if you get it right, you are going to be a god at reading people. So. Can I say right now, I don't feel good about what my guess for Liam's is because Liam doesn't really hate stuff, which translates to him He's, liking I've a lot of stuff. I've never seen him have like, like a really chemical-like reaction. That's the thing. Like, so doesn't. I'm going to go ahead and say that I think Liam's least favorite was, fuck, was maybe New Year's Eve? And a uh, favorite is hard, man. And I think your favorite. Can I use previous knowledge? Of course, yeah. I think because I'm just gonna say Scream Four. I don't know if that's necessarily right, but I know that that's a safe bet. So I'll make that bet. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a safe bet that that's not my my bottom one. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and not make a big deal out of this because I'm okay with being wrong. I'm gonna lock in Scream Four, which I don't think is right, but I'm okay with that. And I guess New Year's Eve. It's the one that I can hardly remember any of your thoughts about. I don't think it was a very impression leaving film. 
so there's my guess for that. Mitch, do you feel ready to go? Honestly, I, I don't. I <sighs> Liam, can you tell me, did you watch it while I was on the show or not? I'll give you a nice big hint there, Mitch. I did not watch it while you were on the show. So because you said it, because you said it, am I allowed to infer that you didn't watch either of them while I was on the show? Uh, it's like we're playing what's my line i can take my headphones <laughs> how about this how about this let me take my headphones off so i don't know but mitch knows because we need to help mitch is that fair because sure. i don't want the help yeah so sure. i'm gonna take my headphones off and then you tell them and then i'm gonna put them back on in like i don't know six seconds is that enough time okay okay so let me okay mitch i'm fairly certain you were on the show when i watched my least favorite but you weren't on the episode Ah. am i am i good i think you're good mitch do you need any more info no okay Okay, so do you mitch let's let's get some guesses in here we got a lot we got a lot of ground to cover okay i don't know i think the worst one that was teen wolf 2 okay and the best was scream 4 locking it in locking it in okay so now i guess you guys can guess mine and then we'll hit the ground running here Okay, Mitch, do you want to go first, or do you want me to guess Corey's first? Uh, you can go first. Okay, Corey, I think you're number one. Again, you'll have to cut out a bit of dead time. I know what I'm about to say, but I'm just doing a quick scroll. Gotta be careful. To see. Oof. Oof. <laughs> All right, well, I'll describe my process here, everybody. I was going to say The Color of Money is also Corey's favorite, but I just scrolled past the Brady Bunch movie, and that's what I'm locking in. Hold on. I thought the color of money was first season. Anyway. Oh, that that's that's absolutely it true. Is, so then, then, then in that case, with a bullet, Brady Bunch movie is your number one. Okay, that gave me a bit of a bit of a spook. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the um, least favorite? And your least favorite is honestly more difficult for me to guess because. Uh, I think as a, like a polar opposite to me, I think you hate a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, Guilty as charged, but I hate it in a fun way. That's right. Yeah. So I think at this point, again, I don't think this is going to necessarily correlate to if the listeners go back and listen to this episode, they're not going to hear Corey as mad as he is maybe in a, a different episode. But I think the Corey of yesterday or today who was who was writing down this list and organizing it all <laughs> you know i think it is going to be christmas story 2 is going to get bumped and it is going to be brahms the boy 2 okay mitch what do you got <laughs> yeah i don't know because i don't think you really you know, watch anything that I liked or that you liked or that I, I feel like you and I bonded over a lot of these stinkers, Corey. And we um, did. <laughs> <laughs> um, and because there were so many stinkers when I was on the show, I think I might have a better idea for what your least favorite was. Okay, then what's that? I think you really hated Ace Ventura, but I don't know if it's like the worst of the worst. Oh, that's a good guess, Mitch. See, I I thought to double up with Color of Money, which was even like factually incorrect, but I didn't think to double up on Ace Ventura. I'm gonna say it's Ace Ventura, and I have no idea what your favorite. Just take would a be, swing. So. 
Um, I'm going to vote what Liam voted for with Brady Bunch 2. Brady Bunch, just film. No two. Yeah. Oh, we, sorry, we, yeah. we cheated on that one. We too. cheated. Oh. Brady Bunch 2, incoming. Coming soon. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's incoming. Okay. Oh, so, yeah, the feature film. That is a cheat, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. So but is yeah, Buffy. Yeah. yeah. True. Okay, so that's the guesses locked in. So all we have left to do now is, is start is start ranking. Wow. So, ranking bass, you know, with the <laughs> cartoons. Um, so, Mitch. What's your favorite size of bass, everyone? Ranking. Um, do you want to just really quickly just hit us with 19 to 11? You don't have to really explain why we'll save it for the top 10 stuff. Yeah, because it's kind of like the bottom slog. 19 yeah. to 11? And, and if you got like anything that comes to mind, Mitch, that you got to say for any of them, I, I reckon you say it. All Follow right. your heart. Sure, but save the paragraphs for later because we don't want to be here for four hours. I'll be brisk. I'll be brisk. 19 to 11. Uh, 19, Chud 2, Bud the Chud. <laughs> wow so i was Clo- pretty fucking good close. guess Corey. i thought for sure that would uh, that might make it to like 15 14 because mitch no, and i were, were kind of on the same page there I, I all right i guess i did change my guess but i was close initially 18, well you and you might still be right 18 the predator didn't watch okay. it on the show with you guys but i did stay up for it and when i couldn't make it to talk on the pod i was pissed because <laughs> like, as far as i'm concerned i had just seen this thing and like the one of the things if you see a real stinker on this show at least you can talk about it with the fellas but <laughs> at least you can commiserate her or air your grievances i just i just watched this one and had to and, seethe yeah and just yeah that's also a good guess for Corey's bottom one i gotta say that's yeah a, yeah that, that's a heater that of an episode too many things could go at the very bottom wow yeah. all right all right it was bad but at least like i don't know i watched it and i lived uh, <laughs> it doesn't haunt it hasn't haunted every waking minute of my life um <laughs> so uh 17 the craft legacy and then down to 16, we have Insidious Chapter 3. Okay. 15, The Descent Part 2. Mm, taking up that Bud the Chud slot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Four, 14, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer Part 2. Okay. Big, big disappointment. Yeah, you know, whenever we scrolled, whenever I was scrolling through all the episodes trying to rank everything, I kept thinking that was the first movie. And so I was like, oh, this has got to be on my top 10 list. And then I remembered that it was it was the part two. And I was like, oh, yeah, Mitch and I liked the first one. (laughs) And then uh, 13 Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. 12 Unmasked Part 25. And then 11. Yes. Children of the Corn, Fields of Terror. Okay. On that note, wow. I'm also going to say my 11 because I also did an 11. And then we can do the 10s. Okay. My 11 is Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2. And the reason it's not in the top 10 is because the parts that I like are mostly from the first movie and that feels like cheating. Gotcha. <laughs> but you liked it. Yes. Cool. Uh, we talked about that movie for like two hours. <laughs> we did, yeah. And out out of like fifty movies, that's good representation for for a movie that a lot of people trash. I love that. Yeah, Corey. I really liked that movie. So there you go. Uh, so we've heard from Mitch and me. So how about we hit Liam's number ten first? Okay, my number ten. 
is a movie that we had a guest on for. Great episode. I would recommend anyone listen to this episode. Uh, And that would be Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Okay, that's... I want to say that's low. That sounds low, doesn't it? It does sound low, but I I guess I get it. And you know what? It sounds low for me too. Even looking at it and thinking about it, it does. And the re- and the reason it's there is because I think in this last year in my life, more than anything, I have discovered that I love having fun with movies. That's the stage of my life I'm at right now. Even like looking back on all the movies I watch, even not on this show, I'm watching a lot of fun movies that i just want to settle into the world and be cozy with my days of watching hard dramas which i love drama is my second favorite genre but my days of regularly watching hard dramas right now are behind me i'm sure i'll get back there again i got a lot of life left to live but right now i'm really in a watching fun movies part of my life and so even though twin peaks fire walk with me has been a 10 out of 10 since the first time i saw it and for the show, that was the second time I watched it. It remained a 10 out of 10. Whereas some of these movies that are above it um, are either lower than it on my letterbox right now. As I said, a lot of these movies uh, that I didn't get a chance to rewatch are 4.5 out of 5. Um, and some of them... Uh, even started off much lower than that and they only got to 4.5 or 5 out of 5 on rewatches twin peaks fire walk with me has been strong one of my favorite most emotionally captivating movies i've ever seen in my life uh cheryl lee playing laura is that is one of the best performances i have ever seen maybe holy shit like maybe the best if we're just talking in terms of like depicting trauma that might be the best performance of someone having a mental breakdown i've ever seen in that movie and that movie hits me right in the heart um we talked a whole lot about it i think it's one of our most somber episodes i love 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 that movie but i had to have my list represent where i'm at right now in life and be my my own subjective little cozy list and so that's why it is at the bottom slot of my list despite being amazing and one of my favorite movies i think that's fair like the uh just being at a point in your life where you can recognize when a movie is good but also when it is not fun and twin peaks is extremely not fun but it is very good so i think 10 is a sensible i i can totally understand that yeah so I guess I can go next. Sure. That's fine. We'll figure it out. Um, My number 10 is Fright Night Part 2. Interesting, Corey. Nice. Very interesting. We have have the same number 10. Oh, that's cool. Oh, man. That's that's what you call a a pickle. (laughs) So, um, I mean, it's just a it's just a good time, right? Like, it's not necessarily high art but it's got a great visual flair like we said before um colorful got some really compelling side characters and those henchmen that for me get up to some fun antics we coined the term campires potentially just to adequately describe that of course it spawned the scare fair we've got a we've got some old-timey horror action in there and just some you know good old-fashioned 80s vampire horror movie stuff it's a pretty simple one for me here do you feel similarly mitch yeah, well, I mean, I was kind of like I was I was sort of um 
like <laughs> it's kind of funny when I look at like I don't know the way that my the way that my tan like shapes up like there's there are some surprises but like there's also like a whiff of the general like and everywhere like if I I feel like if I was here for some of those <laughs> like earlier episodes I feel like I would have probably a very similar part ten to you but because there's like a whiff of a ge- of the general there's like things that. I probably wouldn't put on like a top 10 anywhere else, but because I'm on this show, the genero demands it. Like there are things I would genuinely put on a top 10 on my top 10 list. And then there's like also like weird genero games. So yeah, this is, it's going to be really interesting going back and forth. Like hearing that you guys both have the same 10, you would think that that means you guys kind of like the movie equally. But because Mitch has such a smaller pool to pull from, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's there out of necessity. It's le- largely. less than half of the size of our, yeah. our 50 picks. So yeah, it's there out of necessity. And also, like, um, because we recorded that episode fairly recently, I remember the way that went down. And, uh, um me and mitch were were more middling on it like i think we came out to more of a six out of ten sort of place whereas Corey was the dude that that really liked what that movie had going on all the way through and so it's really cool to hear that you guys both have it at a 10 and just as to what that means and yes means very different things the film genero is hanging heavy over this (laughs) over over this episode it's an amazing finale for the film genero in particular like william castle is just laughing up there rolling in his grave in a good way yeah like <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. So Liam, ring us in number nine here. What do we got? It's already been talked about. It is Silent Night, Deadly Night, part two. Okay. Um, yes, I loved this movie. I love Silent Night, Deadly Night Part One. I knew that going in. Um, and so the fact that it has Silent Night, Deadly Night Part One scenes, a lot of them too. I did some clicking through because this wasn't one of the it's movies. It's like forty minutes of the movie. It's it's forty minutes. I thought I remembered that it was twenty. Uh, that that's where my mind had gone over the last six months. But yeah, it's forty minutes. And I'm this was one of the five that I meant to rewatch. I meant to rewatch five of them. I got to four, and this was the only one I didn't get to. Um, which is why it is down here at nine. Maybe if I had rewatched it, God forbid, it could have been off the list. But my guess is that um, I would have been more confident as to where it goes. And that might have still been at nine because the ones that I rewatched, I really loved. Um, But I'm going off memory from this one. But my memory is that I was really blown away by um how engaging this movie was despite all the memes like there is so much stuff in this movie that i just loved being there for i loved the main actor's performance uh you know eric freeman and he's doing all this eyebrow acting and then the the way that it ramps up into this uh climax of uh shooting people on the street and then killing a nun in a house but (laughs) but not before we get a flashback to uh his teen years um and it is just like it it is so much fun this movie and it really really packs a wallop um and the first movie packs a wallop as well but in a much darker sinister straightforward way this movie is much more campy much more fun and that turns out that's kind of what i'm leaning towards at this point in my life and so silent night deadly night part two had to go right there at number nine and i also recall it's a great episode we talked about it for 
two hours or so and uh i think we got a lot out of that little movie that could yeah i we were so down bad that i was i called in that episode sounds like shit but the discussion is great (laughs) yeah great (laughs) listen yeah so there you go okay so this is the first one that i think is gonna get me an eye roll from the audience or at least for you guys this one might get a bit of an eye roll uh but i'm okay with that because my number nine is um night of the living dead oh no eye roll for me man no no i I remember that one not really hitting with you guys no um brief spoilers but it's not on my list but that would be an honorable mention for me that okay uh, yeah I, i really dig that one yeah okay so um i think Night of the Living Dead is a is like a fundamentally good movie in that it elevates stale material because you know you have the same creative team on in some cases for parts of the crew. Um, zombie had been done to death by that point. The framing device is kind of tired. The way the message it wants to have its viewers take away from it about like oh we live in a society but is a bit tired. But I think that it does a really good job of showing the breakdown of a group in. Um, exceptional circumstances i think there are things to like about the performances uh like i said also my introduction to tony todd which was huge uh let me talk about knight rider a bunch which was great and i think i personally had a lot to like in the cast so uh even the side characters even the more annoying side characters i kind of found a lot to like and i think that you know it's not really a movie that's attempting to make this very subtle delicate argument so i think just watching people kind of you know get emotional and upset and scream at each other and watch things fall apart was just it it all worked for me and it came together but i can i can totally understand why somebody would watch this and just be like okay fucking shut up i get it but it works for me cool yeah i think that's a really solid remake it's it's right up there with the original and the only thing that brings it down a couple notches is some of the stuff that they do uh in the ending you know in the last 10 minutes or so yeah um but i think that's a really great movie to you know like i said just like settle into you're hanging out at this house with these good actors and it's uh it's a fun time but it's also it plays it pretty straight and so that that one walks the line really nicely of uh of a drama and also just like a engaging fun horror movie. And so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't knock you at all for that one. I figured that was one that, um, might get a bit more of a, of a push. So I'm kind of intrigued that it didn't, but that does bring us over to Mitch with your number nine. Number nine. You know, ready? You ready? Yeah. Mary Poppins return. What? Wow. Well, I guess at this point, right? If it's to. if it's not the bottom, <laughs> it's got to be near the top. Wow. Yeah. Because in my head, I'm like, my initial <laughs> response was like, "Oh, he saw everything. This is madness." Yeah. But, no, okay. Uh, so that, what put uh, it there? Yeah. How he's, did it make the he's top? He's Mitchy 10? Poppins. He got into it in the last <laughs> in the last half, right? I thought of that episode kind of, and I was like, you know, like I enjoyed doing that episode and the film surprised me and when we did record that episode i was at like and when i watched that movie i was like at a good place like doing really well it was like early spring like the sun was out it was great i think it just complemented the vibe and i I think of that movie like in in relation to sort of that like really well and so i'm like you know like it it's like not the best movie but it's uh 
Better than Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island and Unmasked Part 25 and Children of the Cord and Fields of Terror, etc., etc. The Craft, Predator, you know, <laughs> better than all those. So uh, it made it. Necessity, but also like not the worst thing I've ever seen. That's there's, fascinating. There's things to like in it. God, I forgot the degree to which Mitch's list is going to sound wild. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> It's, it's a wild uh, list. That's awesome. it's, it's also fascinating because Mitch's list, you can directly compare each movie to each other. You know, you, you see it and you and you can tell that Mitch said, okay, that one is a bit better than that one, so it's got to go right here, and then this one is that much worse than that one. Whereas me and Corey, we just had to focus on these 10 and then all these other movies we, we don't really have to think about. But Mitch <laughs> is really comparing them directly yeah. to each Getting other. Getting into the nitty gritty qualities. Yeah, my list is just like stalingrad it's like two <laughs> ultimate evils against each other yeah <laughs> like when whoever wins we lose yeah it's just the, the battle of the losers i mean what like when when there's only 20 items to choose from it's not even a top 10 at that point it's like a top one maybe a top three and then from that point it is just ranking everyone you know you see it all the time with like uh if you if you were to look up like top freaks and geeks episodes there's only like 18 episodes of that show so you're not necessarily going to read a top 10 it's much easier to just read a ranking oh of man a every TV episode show might end up on somebody's list that's very true hmm. that's very true so yes i'm i'm very much enjoying this that's cool mitch mitchy poppins i'm glad we got some representation, mitchy poppins representation. in the top 10 yeah, mitchy poppins in the show oh that's sick I you gotta that. put in the sound but <laughs> oh certainly yeah 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 <laughs> Uh, hold on, Liam. Do you see that? What do you mean? Do I like, see? Whoa! Holy over, shit! It's over there. Yeah. Liam, I'm just gonna make sure you heard that too, and that this isn't just like—is this a mass hallucination or a singular hallucination? Where are we, Corey? What have we done? Who is that? Clancy? Oh no. Liam? Liam, the podcast is saved. I know who this is. Who is it? That is the one and only Mitchie Poppins. It can't be. It is. It has to be. It must be him. Who else comes down with an umbrella? Oh, there's along. the umbrella right there. There he is. It's him. It's Mitchie Poppins. Oh, my God. Hello. Hello, my podcast children. It is I, <sighs> Mitchie Poppins. You know what they say. A spoonful of sugar helps the sequel go down. Liam, what is your number eight? My number eight is uh, my favorite number is number eight. Has been That's since cool. I was a kid. And so this movie Why does is that? have... I like that uh, on a scoreboard, the eight <laughs> can be any number. And I also like how fun it is to draw. What, do you, what does that mean? Like when you look at like a like a digital scoreboard, like a like a arena. it can be any number. I don't know what that means. Like the the format of the eight, you can fill it in with lights at any part, oh. and then it becomes all the other numbers. I understand what you're saying. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. The, when it's the eight, it is at its maximum potential. Right. Understood. <laughs> and so, what movie got that coveted slot? It's Troll Two. Everyone. Wow. Uh, wow. Love Troll 2. It honestly, it hurts me that it's this low. Um, oh, fuck. Why didn't I think about Mitch maybe putting that at the top of his? 
curveball. Um, it hurts me that it's this slow, and I think the reason that it has to be right now is that I did not get to rewatch Troll 2, so I've only seen it one time at this point. Um, but the reason that it is number eight of 50-some is that I just loved it all the way through. It is so uh, funny, not in, not necessarily just in terms of laughing at it. Like I really think that this movie ha- makes choices that other campy horror movies do and people don't laugh at those movies because they're bad like they laugh at them just because it's a campy movie and people made wild choices back then um and so this movie makes those wild choices and it's just like oh man i'm i'm in it from top to bottom like the popcorn scene in that movie um that actress who is the main villain is just so over the top and fun like she knows exactly what she's doing um and it's just so fun to watch um a lot of good stuff in it as well surprisingly and it's just like exactly what i needed i think i said on the episode that it is um not as bad as i thought it would be but i love it so much more than i thought i would like i I thought it would be so bad that i like it and and that's where i'm at or so bad that i love it but it turns out I actually love it. And then the bad stuff is what pushes it all the way up to a 10 out of 10. And so for me, even though I've seen this once, it was a 10 out of 10, 5 out of 5 on my letterbox. And uh, I, I really like Troll 2. I'm so excited to watch it again and again throughout my throughout my life. Okay, so now I'll chime in just to say, this might be a fun way to do this. Uh, Troll 2 is in my honorable mentions for a very specific reason. Uh, which is that I think it has too much of an existing reputation to count. And I wanted to save spaces on that list for other stuff. But because it's like everybody knows, everybody kind of knows the Troll 2 situation. So that's why I put that there instead. That was my thought process. Cool. Mm-hmm. My actual uh, number eight is another recent one. I'm checking off the recent one. <laughs> Uh, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sounds good. Yeah, I I was expecting that one on it's your so list. It's so funny doing a list because you say it and then you realize you don't know how. Like it's not like other people are gonna react with like applause and cheering and like what's fun? Woo! Let's go, go team! Like so you just and you're like yeah, cool man, shit. <laughs> but like I just want to um, give you your space to talk. But yeah yeah, 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 no, 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 yeah. So with Buffy, um, I think the bottom line is. It takes um, an okay script uh, with some stuff in it that I'm not crazy about, and every single performance elevates that movie to the fucking moon. I think everybody's great. I think Christy Swanson is, like, revelatory. Um, Luke Perry's great. David Arquette shows up. Roger Hauer shows up. You got vampires. Donald Sutherland is there. The fashion's amazing. It just strikes a really, it nails its tone so precisely and everything else about the movie just picks it up and makes it a really, really fun watch. And I would recommend people check it out if they've maybe seen the show but haven't gotten to it yet. Very, very easily with your time. Super fun. Yeah, I, I like that that one's on your list, Corey. I, I felt that it would be. It feels like a you movie. And that's how I felt before we talked about it. Um, but in talking about it on the show, I think you and I came out 
at about the same place. We both had the same problems with it, and we both loved uh, a lot of the stuff it was doing. And so it's cool to hear it up there on your list, despite... Um, like it's just it's it's very much a you movie, but then the episode is interesting because we get into the the nitty gritty of it, and so uh, it's cool it's cool to hear that that it resolved up there for you, and it's not yeah. just an honorable mention. Yeah, totally. So, um, it's in there. It's in the mix for sure. And now, now who the fuck knows? We got bitches in a parade. This could be anything. The Island of Doctor Moreau. Okay. Yeah. That's about. That seems like a good place for that. <laughs> Remind us what number we're at here with Mitch. Eight. 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 Okay. Yeah. Eight. The Island of Doctor Moreau's kind of a good spot for it. I liked it. I liked it, even though it's considered trash because it has such an interesting production and it is such a interesting watch with the like, Brando and its big budget and the end product being what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the movie being the movie that it is. Yeah. Feruza Balk gang stand up. Yeah. At least one of the two movies with Feruza Balk in it made the top ten. <laughs> yeah. At least. Okay. Now we have number seven. Liam, mm-hmm. you're up. Sure. Yeah. And I, I just want to say actually about uh Dr. Moreau there on Mitch's on Mitch's list. I think that's a really good threshold and and maybe you can speak to this mitch because that's a movie from the 90s it's got sort of like a classic hollywood feel but it is from the mid 90s but it has marlon brando in it which is one of those classical actors that you love and um to me now hearing that you have island of dr moreau right there at eight that makes every pick that now comes after it more interesting is it would you say there's a line in your list where okay now after this point it's like these i would are, say I these would are say movies i would talk about when do they get good uh we're getting there <laughs> we're getting is there. it like I'd a top say, five I'd where you're like, like these are the heaters eight, eight is when it's like like there's something in the air like what is that like what what do you see that and the number seven is like it's getting nearer it's been an awakening have you felt it <laughs> and then i'd say from like six six down it's like yeah yeah, okay, cool. So we have something to look forward to here. Yes. Oh, I never said we didn't. I'm a no, 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 of course. <laughs> but but like we know that we're almost at the threshold of like Mitch would handily say that he is into this movie. Yes. And it's not here out of general necessity. Yes. We're getting close. We're getting close. Okay, great. Yeah. So William, seven. My seven, guys, is um <laughs> honestly one that I, I could have picked out for Corey's bottom one. <laughs> it's very oh. possible. Oh, weird. Um, and it's not the it's not the Brahms, the boy too. Um, you know, because that's that's the one I picked. But I think Corey, you might you might like this less now. I'm I'm realizing. The... How mean was I to Brahms, the boy too? <laughs> oh man, you'd have to go back and listen. <laughs> but but I think you like this one less, and so so this is me reckoning with that. But uh, my number seven is Friday the Thirteenth, two thousand nine. I probably like that more than Brahms the Boy too. Oh, okay, good. My my guess is, is here's the thing. Water. I at least remember things about Friday the Thirteenth. Well, sure, but I thought that might be to its detriment as oh, well because you no, I, you hated everything that you thought of when it came to this movie. Yeah, well, but like, I don't even remember what I hated about Brahms the Boy too. So I'm taking that as a negative against Brahms. Um, sure. 
sure. I yeah. guess. I don't know what the logic is there. <laughs> yeah. So that means my guess for your bottom might hold up, but also the fact that you're speaking about it like you haven't thought about Brahms since we recorded might not, <laughs> might not be too good for me. But yes, Friday the 13th, 2009. I'll never tell. Um, this is the movie that I have seen the most out of everything on my list, tied with one other. Ah, tied with two other things. Um, I've probably seen Friday the 13th, 2009 five or six times throughout my life, and three or four of those are in the last year and a half. Um, uh, I've really gotten into the Friday the 13th series over the last few months. I have the box set, and so I've been... I, I watched them all, and now I'm watching them all again, and I'm also going through and picking out just which ones I want to see at any given time. And sometimes it is Friday the 13th, 2009, so me and Brianna have just put this on, even though uh, we ha- I've already done a podcast on it. Like It feels like that book is closed, and yet still, I come to this movie and I watch it. Um, it's not my favorite Friday the 13th movie, but it would be it would be top five for sure if there are any Friday the 13th fans out there. This is kind of my thing where it just, uh, I have a whole lot of fun with it. Like those first 20 minutes are Jason primetime. You just get so many greatest hits from the series. Um, but I think all throughout this movie has characters that stick out to me. And that might just be from... <laughs> Rewatching it because I, I when I when I first saw this movie, um, I know for a fact it was like a it was like a two point five out of five or so. Um, but I've just really come to love it. I love Trent, who is the the jerk jock character in the movie. He's just such a he's such a douche. Um, but the the dude playing him like really seems to know he's a douche and he's so good at playing it up and just saying like the most annoying thing possible at any given time. So I love that. I love some of the brutal kills in this movie. I love the dark setting. Um, It really feels like deep, dark forest more than a lot of the Friday the 13th movies. Um, I really like Jared Padalecki. I'm a Supernatural fan. And so seeing him there, even though he's sort of just like a blank protagonist guy, um, I like seeing him around. And I just think it's it's a great encapsulation of what the Friday the 13th movies do. And I'm hoping for another Friday the 13th movie, but this is a good one to tide people over just because it's a, it's like a good uh, consolidation of all that Friday the 13th does. And hopefully the next one we get can be a bit more out there because this movie isn't super out there. It plays it pretty straight. It's Jason I mean, in the woods killing kids. Scenes. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's one scene in particular I think that you can put a finger on maybe as being a little bit. Which one is that? The one that you got the movie out and sent to me a messenger video to remind me of the dialogue of the scene. The Trent sex scene. Yes. Yeah, yeah that is. And and well, <laughs> and that's that's such a small scene. And the Friday the 13th movies have those where they have those small scenes that just make you love the characters. And then that extends to the whole movie. Whereas there are other Friday the 13th movies that make huge swings where it's like your protagonist has telekinesis or your entire movie takes place on a boat that leads to Manhattan. Whereas this one, it is just Jason in the woods uh, killing some teens. And uh, I think there's just like a a lot of... He doesn't even go to space once. (laughs) 
there's a lot of solid, grimy, brutal fun to be had there. And uh, I really, I really like Friday the 13th, 2009. Nice. I think that's a good spot for that for sure. Um, I think for me, my whole top 10, I feel like is, is heaters in my opinion. Like I'm, I'm pretty happy with all these, but now I think we're getting into the real big hitters. Uh, cause my number seven is Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm. Put the vampire movies together. Nice. Feels appropriate. Um, I mean, what, what do I even have to fucking say? You know? This movie, uh, this movie needs no introduction. This movie needs no, <laughs> no, no and it needs no body paragraphs and no closing <laughs> paragraphs. Um, it, it's a filmmaking masterclass. Like it's a just a feast for the eyes. Um, with one charmingly bad performance and a bunch of other performances that I like a lot, and just an expensive, lavish, well put together movie that's really fun to watch again but it's it's actually still at least managing to have quite a lot going on uh what between like gary oldman and winona Ryder, and then you've got the keanu angle and you've got all the all the boys uh you got texas man and fucking all those dudes and i don't know it's just it's just really i don't know it's just really good i I don't know how to talk about this one very well it's just a good ass movie i don't know well, Mitch is going to have to do some of the lifting because he hasn't talked about it yet. So uh, maybe you guys can. He's going to get little, to it eventually. A little, a little mini pod there about yeah, it. Yeah, it'll be there. It's we're uh, we're getting close. <laughs> so if it's if it's not your number seven, what is? Ah, I'm so glad you asked. So this one is actually a bit of an, an anomaly. We said that we could watch all the ones I have ever watched on the show. The ones from even the ones from way back when I uh, didn't have a decent microphone and I was just. Um, you know, a guest in those days. And so this one, number seven, is the French or French Connection 2. Nice. Okay, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, you know, that seems like a seven in the Yeah, I don't I don't think that. you could in good conscience put it any higher. No. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Mitch, after you said Island of Dr. Moreau, and I was talking about that threshold, and now I'm thinking, oh wow, everything above that, he must he must really like because he liked Dr. Moreau. I was thinking French Connection 2 and I was like, that can't be his bottom one. I know it isn't, but I know he didn't like French Connection 2 all the way as much as I would expect him to. So if French Connection 2 had been any more spots away from Dr. Moreau, I would have really been surprised. But here in that, it's right after it makes sense to me. Yep. Yeah. That's, well, that's that really all I have to say about it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, if you like uh, using mean terms for people from France, it's a good movie for you. For if you like, G- if you honestly like watch that movie for Fernando Ray, that's really what the movie has going for it. I feel like, because yeah. uh, Gene Hackman is kind of limited, you know, when they lock him in a room and just sort of don't let him do anything. Yeah. So, John John Frankenheimer, cool, uh, cool director. Yeah, like- so like some of his stuff some yeah his stuff i think i don't really like <laughs> i think fernando ray is the big draw and then beyond that just go watch movies with fernando ray <laughs> instead or watch a different a different frankenheimer movie like watch like seconds or grand prix or you know anything oh dude you guys want to talk about f1 for three hours <laughs> 
<laughs> we should we should watch Grand Prix on the on the cast. There's oh no other God. Grand Prix before it, but if you have three hours for a high octane racing, effort, uh, there was the 1950 British Grand Prix, the first F1 race. Hey, works for me. <laughs> works for the pod. Let's go. There you go. It's for a one, sequel to for, a real life event. For once, all have not seen the previous material, and Corey <laughs> can educate me. I wasn't alive seventy years ago. I was actually. You, you didn't really miss anything. It wasn't that great. Mm. Okay, so that's a promise. We're gonna watch Grand Prix now at some point. Season three is a Grand Prix season. We'll get uh, back to season, the movies in 2023. Season Grand 3. Um, <laughs> number 6? Number 6, Liam. Number 6. Yeah. Number 6 for me is a bit of a dark horse pick, I think. Um, it's one in a, that... In a good way or a bad way? Oh, a great way. I mean, it's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> right, but because like, sometimes a dark horse is like, you'd think this would be your number one, but it got dropped. Ah, it's, gotcha. a, it's a dark horse, not a black sheep. That's the most important thing to remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so well, you guys tell me if this is a dark horse or a black sheep. I would expect this to be lower on my list, Okay, and it's all the way up at six. So whatever animal that makes it, um, and whatever black-like adjective you want to use to describe it that's what it is because this is a shadow hawk <laughs> this is my shadow hawk pick and this is the fly too no this... shit that's right yeah well... i wasn't expecting that movie to show up this evening there you go yeah that's that's kind of what i was thinking i i knew that this wouldn't be on Corey's list i didn't think it'd be his bottom one either um i know mitch wasn't there so yeah it's not really not a terrible movie by any stretch of the imagination yeah um and I, I found that first time watch and my second watch, which I did last night. This was one of them. Uh, this movie is just like totally for me. I really don't can't really understand how this isn't talked about more just as like a great sequel because I love The Fly. And I think that this does uh, exactly what The Fly does um, just as good, but it is not a direct copy. And so I can understand someone preferring one or the other. I'm not saying they're directly on par, um, but I'm saying that this is like uh, a great continuation story of that first movie, especially um, is it, considering... Is it like, I don't mean to cut you off. I haven't yeah. seen it. Is it like stylistically like the, like the original one or the David Cronenberg one? David Cronenberg. It's a direct right. sequel to that one. Um, right. And so they didn't get Jeff Goldblum or Gina Davis back for it, which is, uh, I'd say, the biggest thing uh, that they had to work against. But I think with those constraints in place, they do as good of a job as you can. The story continues, so it's not a Bud the Chud 2 type sequel in name only. They continue the story. Eric Stoltz, who was the original Marty McFly, he plays... Um, gina davis and jeff goldblum's son so at the very beginning of the movie we have gina davis uh, gina davis stand-in giving birth and it ends up being eric stoltz um and so it's about that character living in a lab because he he's being studied by people who know who his parents are and they want to see what kind of kid he is but also he's reckoning with the fact that both of his parents are gone. He's lived his whole life under a microscope. Um, and also he's hearing about the type of experiments that his father did. And he's wondering uh, 
if he should try to carry on his dad's legacy, pick up those pieces. Maybe there's something that he can do that his dad wasn't able to do and, and he can he can figure it out. He can be the one to do it. And so I just think it is a really great emotional story. Um, and then it ends up getting to that fun part that that I've been talking about when the effects really start to ramp up. You get a fly transformation in this movie. You get to see some really amazingly goopy fly action and, and deterioration effects, body horror in this movie. And all those effects totally work because this movie is actually directed by the guy who did the effects for the first movie. So, um, he was there during that the creation of that first story, and I think that it really works out. He's able to tap into the visual tone. He's able to tap into the effects. And then the story um, is written in part by Mick Garris, who is a frequent Stephen King uh, adapter, and also Frank Darabont, who wrote um, The Shawshank Redemption, The Green Mile, and The Mist. He, he wrote and directed those adaptations. And so they have a very novelistic way of approaching this because they're, they're both uh, novelistic writers. And um, I really think they pull it off. It just like really wrenches at me. I was watching it yesterday. I was almost crying at some of the stuff that happens, but then the finale is so monsterific and has just like the spectacle of it all. And the ending shot is one of my favorite ending shots of really of all time. It's a great love story. Um, I just think it's a, a really perfect sequel and I love it very much. I'll have to check it out. I really love the first fly. I'm always amazed that Mel Brooks produced the original. I wonder if he did this one. <laughs> And are are you also a fan of the Cronenberg one? Oh, maybe? I love. Uh, sorry, yeah, I meant to say. I meant to say. Mel Brooks. I keep calling the Cronenberg one the original one, but the yeah. one from the fifties with like Vincent Price and Herbert Marshall, classic. But the one from the eighties by Cronenberg is probably the better movie, and I I really love that movie. Cool. So yeah, I'll have, and to, then, I'll have to check this out. This sounds great. Yeah, and that's one that I think I've said to Corey that man, I wish Mitch was on for that episode. So I have I have it on DVD. I got the nice uh, I got a nice comfy DVD watching yesterday, so we can all watch it sometime. Yeah, I, I will say great. I don't know if um, Mitch would like it to the same extent, but I do think that had we hit that on the Genero, I could see you rolling your eyes, but I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I'm sure. Because I'm always sort of stuck up when it comes to like remakes <laughs> of things that I really like, but <laughs> yeah, which is you know fair. But yeah, um, my number six is something we already mentioned, so I'll keep it brisk. Um, it's Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Um, just a crushing film in a lot of ways. It really is, uh, and it was it was genuinely emotionally draining to watch, but it also felt like a a legitimately moving experience. Uh, it's a lot to not have seen. I had never seen a full length, like sitting down and watching a David Lynch feature. I had seen some, uh, some shorter stuff and some sort of spinoffy kind of stuff, but that was my first real introduction. And it obviously like, you know, the weird eccentricity is there, but there is so much, um, well, like, emotional depth to it and just genuinely upsetting powerful things to to work through be it thematically or just like what is happening to laura that is is a lot but 
I'm very, very glad I saw it and I need to get to the show now to kind of keep that journey going. But even without that context, it really, really moved me. So there you go. There's the number six. Mitch, uh, you weren't on that episode. I don't think you were part of the show at that point. You must not have been because you would have been on there. Um, But you're a big Twin Peaks fan. So what do you think of that movie quickly? I I think Fire Walk With Me is like a pretty solid addition to like the to the film i or to the television series i adore like the the original series i still haven't made it back through the the return yet i got to like i got like fairly far into it then i just stopped watching it i have a difficult time committing to lots of television but that's a whole other story uh fire walk with me a really great adaptation i love like there's so many smaller parts about that film that, that i really love and how close it is to the, to the series like but also like great sort of casting like you've got like david bowie in there for a minute and uh yeah yeah no it's just i it is very emotionally draining and i much much darker and less sort of um less sort of uh light-hearted than the than the television series but it is a, a really great film and do you just want to segue straight into what your number six is? For sure. My number six is Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah. It's got to be higher up because you're... <laughs> Again, I'm like, what? And then I have to check... I have to recheck my expectations every time you listen. Because it's like, it's like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> we're, we're fighting with, like, the rest of the... Right. You're fighting the amongst shit. the garbage. <laughs> Again, I thought it was a good movie. Um, but it's just uh, sitting atop of pile of uh garb (laughs) (laughs) anyway i love the genro don't you oh sure (laughs) i I really do but i can understand people's observations about it is that all you've got on uh, night of the living dead yeah you already covered it it sufficiently my my feelings are similar i probably don't like it as much as you but i think it's a good movie all right top five fellas we're here these is these are probably the real the real baggers in our opinions, I'm assuming. Yeah, top five. Here we go. Let's All right. Go. Liam, number five. Number five for me is another guest episode. Great episode. Ooh. Uh, another pre-Mitch episode, unfortunately, but it is Bill and Ted face the music. Oh. Oh, man. Oh, oh man. Do I love that oh. movie. What do you think, Corey? It wasn't on my radar for the top ten. Mm. Interesting. I mean, it's certainly not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a fascinating choice. You think so, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, we had Jason on for that one. That's right, too. That's right, yeah. Um, that one feels like a, a while ago. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. You know, like, there, the, <laughs> that was near the beginning of the season, um, and that was, like, one of the first movies that came out on VOD, and it felt like a really big thing that it was out, and people were, like, rushing to watch it and talking about it. Um, that was about August, so COVID had had been a thing for four or five months there, and so that felt like a big event. Um, but it is also one of the movies I rewatched yesterday. I just wanted to check it out, see where I stand. When the movie came out, a lot of people were saying, the praise stems from people being starved for fun and starved for positivity this deep into 2020. Um, And I didn't agree with that then. I didn't feel like I agreed with it, but maybe I was just uh, clouded by my need for positivity. And so (laughs) coming back to it almost a year later, um, 
like having my second vaccine, I don't feel like I'm in the the COVID crush anymore. And so I was, it felt like a, a lifetime ago. And so I was checking it out to see where I fall. And it is every bit as good and funny and heartfelt and uh, lovely as I remembered it being. Um, it is a, just a great story, much like The Fly too. I just think this is like a great continuation of a story of characters that have already been established. It's a great way to utilize a franchise. And I actually ended up liking it more than I did the first time because Keanu Reeves's performance uh, worked better for me. Um, the first time, I think we all agreed that he felt a bit wooden and he didn't really feel like his original character. Um, and I can still, I can still see shades of that, but um there's a bit of a flashback at the beginning of the movie that shows scenes from the older movies. And I could just kind of believe that that dude who was like a really spunky, smiley teenager grew up to be this guy. He didn't feel like he was trying to capture something that was lost. Uh, he, he just felt like he had grown up a bit, um, but could have been that dude in a previous uh, previous decades. You know, if I saw my dad at 20, maybe I wouldn't think that that's my dad. I would think, man, uh, that's Keanu Reeves. My my 56 year old dad is doing a, a bad bill performance. But no, it just turns out he kind of <laughs> grew up. Um, and so that's how I feel about Keanu. And then besides that, like there are just so many set pieces in this movie that are hilarious. There are so many characters in this movie that are hilarious i mean Corey, i gotta remind you of dennis caleb mccoy that robot oh my oh gosh. yeah that shit was good so oh. so funny the way that is paced out <laughs> and you just get a little bit of him at a time before the full character is revealed is like one of the greatest things i've ever seen in comedy the movie just keeps moving william sadler as the death character playing bass is so funny and then the end of the movie where you have well i don't I, i'm sorry i don't want to spoil it uh i, I guess i kind of spoiled what was it uh uh, eh, we're here. Whatever. Yeah, I sp I spoiled a previous movie, and I'm sorry about that. But I won't spoil Bill and Ted. But the the movie just ends, and I just feel like that is a perfect ending. I I feel so warm, and um, I I really really dig it. I think it is a great family movie that you could put on anytime for most demographics, and they're gonna find things to love about it. So so that's my number five. Nice. I think that yeah. Totally justifiable and very well argued, I think. So, you know, no complaints from from me. So my number five is, uh, you know what, you'll love it. Um, I had a long, long think about this one. Uh-oh. Because my mind is just, my mind is in the right mindset to give this movie even more credit now than when I watched it initially. And I had to try to interpret like where I wanted to put it. And I think this is the right spot, but I think it could have been higher or lower. And eventually I just needed to make a call. Oh, this sounds like your dark horse, your black sheep. It's not, it won't be surprising that it's here. I don't think, but <laughs> the placement might be, uh, it's scream Four. Okay. okay. At number five. Um, easily could have put it higher, I think. 
uh, but I don't think it was going to be number one. I considered flipping it with Twin Peaks for a little bit as well. Um, the main issue being, uh, I have since seen all the other Scream movies, and holy shit, big Scream fan over here. So uh, I feel like my affection for the series overall is giving Scream 4 like even more of a boost in some ways because now I'm just like on the train and I have even more of an appreciation for these things and thinking back and being able to attach it to things in other movies. But I tried to think about it a bit in terms of like it as its own thing, not let that influence it too much because so much of my appreciation for the rest of Scream obviously came after. Uh, but the bottom line is like Scream 4, I can understand people maybe thinking the gimmick was a bit tired or something, but it really does feel like a meaningful step forward for the franchise considering how long of a gap there was between movies and i think that it is both doing what scream does best what with like the genre references and just the meta genre discussion and how that's sort of being carried more by the like newly introduced younger cohort uh who are all crushing it in that movie by the way like every performance of the newly introduced uh cast is great we got a culkin in there we love a culkin on this show we got oh. hayden panettiere in there we love hayden panettiere on this show um but beyond that it's also trying to take that a step forward um when you get into like this film's ghost faces motivation and uh how it incorporates the internet and like social media in a similar discussion to i think the one that diary of the dead was trying to have uh but i think scream 4 does it better uh and now i just have so much love for um like gail and dewey in sydney that just knowing that that movie exists now and i can go watch it amazing Oh man, that that warms my little Woodsboro heart. God, Sorry. I fucking love Scream so much. <laughs> and you know what? Um, it's obvious. It's, it's it's totally your list. Um, but where you've put it does make sense to me as to as someone who's like listened to you over the last year. Um, because based on what you said on the episode i i would expect it to be on your top 10 i wouldn't expect it to be one two or or even three but i would expect it to be on there and then now that you've watched the movies um i figured that you know scream might be on your mind but also uh that that wouldn't necessarily make scream four go up and and it could even make it go a bit down uh because now that it's put into perspective you know you've said before that when you don't know the original material it could make material that has been done before seem better because you haven't experienced it you know with something like the the descent part two or something like that and so um hearing that it came out to like basically the middle uh of your list uh makes a whole lot of sense to me and i I love that it's on there i love that it's up there too that's really great yeah and that's a movie that i i that was the one that i was the closest to rewatching because now that i've got all the other movies in the bag yeah Yeah. 
I want to revisit Scream 4 now with uh, all of this new knowledge. I'm so to... excited for when you do it, man. Because, I, <laughs> I, again, I'd want to know where it lands for you. Like, if you do that, it could be higher, could be lower, um, yeah. could be the same place. It's it's hard to tell. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Mitch, What where are you at with Scream real quick? Uh, so I've seen the first and the second. Bro, you got to watch Scream 3. <laughs> yeah <laughs> first time anyone's ever said that to him <laughs> bro don't okay so here's what you're gonna do you're gonna google scream through you're gonna see a bunch of people talking shit those people are wrong they're liars yeah you, you should watch scream three okay i'll check it out and then you should watch scream four but what, you do need to get three in there what do you think of those first two mitch uh i think that i like the first one a lot uh number two is interesting with how it sort of like plays with the formula and and turns on its head again i haven't seen it since i was like in high school but now's as good a time as any baby yeah maybe i have to check out the scream movies again it's only four you got eight hours shit this is a work day (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe maybe one day maybe closer to halloween mitch number number five so my fifth film is bram stoker's dracula yeah and uh, what a film it is. Uh, you already <laughs> spoke about it. This is one that I actually do I do like quite a bit. Um, and we're kind of like, we're firmly ensconced in that territory now of films that I actually enjoy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Finally, we've gotten to the movies that Mitch likes. <laughs> yeah. So this is a, this is a great one. Uh, Tom Waits' performance alone is enough to make, make me want to watch this movie again. But uh I watched it with Abigail. We had a really fun time watching it, even though like there are some insufferable performances. We both thought it was fun to look at. <laughs> definitely also kind of like, cheesy and like, what the fuck? At the same time, we enjoyed it more than Insidious 3. Um, what, like the opening uh, sequence in the... Uh, in like the 16th century? No, the 15th century. Yeah. And the way that it's shot is just gorgeous and some stand-up performances and real visual flair i'm a big coppola fan love his films love his wine and uh, (laughs) so uh yeah it's a great one and it's firmly placed at number five grab a drink grab a vamp and get to it folks yeah that's your chance does he have like a dracula themed wine no i don't think so but coward should just be a big bottle full of blood (laughs) yeah yeah that that was a the Genero's apology to Mitch was turning that one out. <laughs> it was. That was a big Genero win. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Something that I think hit with everybody, which is infrequent. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, number four, Liam, what do we got? My number four is just, that is a just BM pick just before Mitch. Um <laughs> That is uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D. I knew it was going to be on there. I cannot believe how high it is. Yeah, you but, know what? I, well, but actually, I can, though, because you talked about it really highly. I did. I, I came in high on that one. and um, But, you know, it, it is one that surprised me. It creeped all the way up because uh, some of the other movies I've talked about, I, I really, really like, but the affection for my bloody Valentine just like runs so deep. Like I've, I've loved this movie, uh, since it came out, I, I remember getting it on DVD really quickly. And then I've really loved this movie in the last three years or so. Um, 
It's just, uh, it's a great whodunit, first of all. It is a really fun movie effects-wise, and that is uh, part of the 3D charm, because for me, that there's just stuff in that movie that is bolstered by the 3D, because you're getting camera angles, um, and, and things uh, are being blocked in a way that you wouldn't see in a typical slasher movie, and so it doesn't come across uh, as cheesy somehow. It comes across as, like honestly like like an extra dimension to a slasher movie that that you don't really get um and i love that it came out in 2009 but um it is just a hardcore slasher with a a a really menacing villain um a simple really simple story but it gets the job done there's a bit of a love triangle in there to add some drama there's a bit of the prior evil backstory which i love in horror movies um, both the supernatural boys made it into your top 10 yeah yeah and you know i had mentioned on the bloody valentine episode because we did that one after friday the 13th i said that it is so interesting that both supernatural boys did a remake of an 80s slasher movie in 2009 and i said they were about the same for me i couldn't figure out which one i liked more and it turns out my bloody valentine takes it for me um and i think that is just because the fun factor is is there um more than it is in friday the 13th the the one thing that really bugs me about my bloody valentine is the sheen it has and it might be because of the 3d um again i like the 3d aspect i like the angles and the ideas it gives us but it might have just been like the camera they had to shoot it with or something but it looks like a soap opera like the frame rate is kind of strange um yeah and it just feels a bit weird and so in that way like i'd rather friday the 13th be on my tv because you put that on in a dark room and it's like you're in the woods but my bloody valentine there's like a bit more of a i don't know what you'd call it like a learning curve or something like you, you gotta get <laughs> you over that hump get comfortable with with how it looks visually yeah yeah but once you do that i think there's a lot a lot of fun to be had really really fun movie great to show people because it is that whodunit and so uh it's it's fun to watch with people and react to the really crazy kills for a theatrical horror movie like oh my gosh it's wild that this came out in 2009 and it's just uh it's it's such a blast it's it's dear to my heart because um, it's sort of from my uh, early teenage years, and I just I really really love it. Nice, that's a nice that's that's I like that both of our number fours I think are spiritually similar picks then, but the movies are very different. Right, yeah, for because sure. guys, uh, I finally get to talk about Mamma Mia again. Oh. We knew it was coming. Listen, we knew it, knew was, it was fucking coming. coming, bro. Let's go. <laughs> the number three reveal. Good to hear. The, number four reveal. Number four reveal. Right. Yes. Mama Mia. Here we go again, dude. That movie changed my fucking life. <laughs> Not even joking. <laughs> um, God, uh, if you haven't seen Mama Mia, here we go again. Fix that. It is raw, unbridled wild just happiness and joy and fun and the songs are all great the cast is great it will put you in a great mood it's got an emotional heart you might even get a little choked up in the immortal words of this very show 
if it hits you on the right day, some of those songs, oh, with Meryl and Lily, oh, unbelievable. And uh, it's just so fun. Got some good boys in there. Got some good songs in there. Cher shows up. Uh, we had a really good episode with Ben and Kirby that time when we had them on. That was fun. Everything about my experience with Mama Mia, Here We Go Again was was un, undeniably positive. I bought both of the movies on Blu-ray as a result of that viewing. I've listened to the music a lot since then, but I'll just like find myself just thinking about Mamma Mia sometimes. Um, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again fucking rules. It's also just weirder than you'd think it would be. In a lot of really fun and, and intriguing ways. Um, it's so... Guys, it's so good, though. <laughs> I love hearing that, man. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I, I love that. You're right. That does. It does sound similar to, to my number four pick. I just love movies that like just make people happy, and they just yeah. love them. And so that's your style, and that's your thing, and it hits. I love it. That's great. Yeah, and I was so I was surprised that it hit so hard. And like over the course of our recording, like it just kept hitting even harder. And like, I, but like I was radicalized by the end of that episode <laughs> to be like even converted. more into it than I initially was. And I'm so glad that that hasn't faded for you either. Because oh no, I'm so, in. <laughs> you know, sometimes that can happen on this show. You get so stoked, but then it it, it fades away. Some other movies cover it up, or just time sort of moves past it. You don't pick up the pieces again, and that's okay too. But I'm glad that this stuck with you. That's really great. I associate this movie with you very much. Yeah, that movie fucking rules. We we should all watch it sometime. <laughs> um. Bitch, what about you? What's your number four? So mine's another genre spin. Um, bit of a surprise. This one might take you off guard, but it's Creep 2. Nice. Interesting. Oh, great. Liam's going to love that. Yeah, I'm very happy. I, kn- I knew Mitch liked this one, so I'm, I'm glad that it stuck through. Yeah, I like Creep 2 more than I like Dracula and, and everything else. So That's creep- fascinating, actually. Yeah. That particular difference I find really interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Because Dracula strikes me as the more Mitch film. Yeah, but I, I just for me, I think I got more out of... Uh, I thought Creep 2 was a more interesting, inventive story. I, I, again, Dracula's old material, and it's like a great sort of visual exercise. But I think I got more out of uh, Creep 2. I enjoyed the performances more in Creep 2. Um, yeah, creep too. That is great, Mitch. That's why you're so, so great to have on this podcast. You surprise us every time because <laughs> I, 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 I do know that you like this movie more than Dracula, just based on the way the conversations went. But when when those episodes happened, that surprised me. It surprised me that you weren't as high on Dracula as I thought you would be, even though, of course, you did really like it. It's right up there on your list. And then I was surprised at how much you liked Creep 2. And so it's it's great to hear that uh, solidified here for all time, etched into stone. Exactly. Mark Duplass over Francis Ford Coppola all day. Over Gary Oldman? <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess, yeah. It's it's so funny that uh, it's right there above Dracula as well because there's that uh, there's that Coppola quote in Creep Two as well. Quote yeah, oh yeah, that's that's a great. So sort of, I didn't even make that connection, but yeah. So just totally demolished. I mean, the the main character in Creep, uh, Joseph or whatever you want to call him, he find he achieved his goal. He he came out and he did what Coppola did. So great. In uh, in a manner of speaking, I guess. <laughs> I guess. In, in a, like, spiritually. Yeah. All right. Shall we go on to number three? 
<laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, Liam, big three. What do you got? It is a big three, you guys. Uh, top three, big time. And uh, I'm going to break the walls down, much like my boy Chris Jericho, because my number three is Scream 4. Okay, yeah. Um, that's that's about where I think you would have put it. It doesn't mean I fucking blew it. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, fine. I can live with that. I wasn't confident that I was right anyway. Sure, yeah. And it's a great guess. It's a great guess. If I didn't... Uh, I guess if I just didn't know me as deeply as I do, because I got to live with myself every day, I would think that Scream <laughs> 4 would be not my number one as well. Um, if I didn't know me as well as I do, because I have to live with myself every day. Um, you know, because the original Scream would absolutely be number one on this list. You know, if we if we were somehow that was factored in. But you know, Scream 4 was huge for me. It was the first one I saw in theaters. Um, and it was at one point my favorite Scream film. I was so high on it as a kid. And I've gone back and forth with it. And out of all these movies here that um, I've rated on Letterboxd, it was actually the lowest because I had it listed as a four out of five. And I've amended that today just because right now I'm feeling it's up there at a, at a, at a nine. And then, but I think, whereas the others that I have as a 4.5 right now, if I were to rewatch them, I think there's a good chance they'd be a five out of five. This one, I think it's most likely to stay at a four to 4.5 for now. And that's, I think just because I hold the Scream franchise in such high regard, I take them more seriously than I do these other movies. My Bloody Valentine remake, that's so much fun from beginning to end. And so even though I don't get down with the sheen of the movie and the characters don't stick out to me they the way they do in Scream 4, I love the characters in Scream 4 way more than I do with the characters in My Bloody Valentine. But... I'm more confident saying my bloody Valentine is just straight up. I can say, hey, that's a 10 out of 10 to me. I love watching it. Scream 4, I love watching it. It's a Scream movie. I I can put it on anytime and think about it and examine it and love it. I don't feel as comfortable just slapping a 10 out of 10 on it because it's like my brain works on it in a different way. I'm thinking about it much harder and I can't keep myself from doing it. I'm comparing it to other things the franchise has done um, and I'm thinking about the heights that it could be at because the original Scream to me is like a, if My Bloody Valentine is a 10 out of 10, the original Scream is like a 13 out of 10. And so I have that in my head. And so when things don't work in Scream 4, they're a bit harder for me to write off. And so that's why it's down there on my ratings as like a four to four and a half star. But the reason it is up above my bloody Valentine, despite having that lower rating, is just because of not only the affection I have for the franchise, but the affection that I have for that movie. Having seen it in theaters, I've seen it so many times. It's one of the ones I was referring to when I said um, Friday the 13th is one that I've seen so much. It would be that, My Bloody Valentine, and Scream 4. And uh, I could put Scream 4 on at any time. It has so many huge moments in it that I 
think about often the way they're performed and the way they're staged. Um, and I just like feel it in my heart. You know, my bloody Valentine has stuff that I see and I go, whoa, that was awesome. I'm having so much fun. But Scream 4 has some stuff in it where it happens. And it's just like, honestly, like twin, almost a Twin Peaks firewalk with me level where like my jaw is just open. And I'm like, holy shit, they did that the way they did it. Um, but it just has a few things in it that don't connect with me the way I want them to. And so if I were to put it at one or two, it wouldn't feel honest. Then it would feel like, okay, I'm putting it there just because I'm the scream guy. Um, and so that's why I settled for number three on this list. Yeah, it makes sense to me. That's I, I'm very curious to see what your next two are. Sure. Given yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, my number three is something that I spent most of this season thinking would be number one. And it's not number one. Oh, no. Are me and Mitch about to be blown out? Tell it, Corey. Talk about it. Uh, it is Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. Oh, wow. Yeah. The first episode of the season. I spent a lot of this season thinking it was going to still be number one, like oh, the whole time. Oh, Corey, I, <laughs> you, you got to talk about that, but where I'm, <laughs> I'm surprised that is on your list. I really am. And, and the reason that it's I on am, the list. Yes, because at all. <laughs> yep. Because you and I loved that movie so much in the episode, right? Loved that it. Movie but fucking but rules. <laughs> I have gotten the impression, especially over the last few months that after you saw the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I thought that this had dropped so much for you and that you didn't see it that way and then see it the way you did originally. And then because it has been so long and it was the first episode we did in the season, then I thought those two things combined, that's going to be a strong honorable mention for Corey. But I certainly didn't think it would be this high on your list, if on the list at all. So you got to talk about that. Um, so this movie, this movie fucks. It's so good. Um, I want to make clear up front though that you are right and I still do think that going back and being able to watch the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre which is a fucking like bona fide classic uh takes away some of the mystique from a lot of the the visuals and setups that I liked in Next Generation because you've got like um you've got that whole process with Leatherface and the girl that's not renee zellweger whose name escapes me uh when she first gets captured like the other girl who's at the prom with them which is just like a very close uh homage bordering on copy of when in the first movie uh the girl in the shorts whose name i don't remember uh goes into the house initially and is captured by Leatherface because it's got that claustrophobic camera work and it's really physical and it's really jarring in its physicality but that's not exactly new the same thing with like Renee Zellweger breaking out onto the roof and then trying to get away like a lot of these things aren't super new so it diminishes somewhat but the movie has so much other shit going on that is just truly fucking wild um that I just can't help but love it. I also think uh, her name is Heather. I just remembered the the other girl's name is Heather. But um, Renee Zellweger, uh, her performance is great. I think the Jenny character is great. Um, she is set up as being somebody who uh, 
feels like a real and relatable person who isn't like hyper capable but is like resourceful and knows how to take care of herself in this situation and like has ideas and like thoughts about how to maybe escape or get away or handle it and whether or not certain people are trustworthy and not all of those things work out but you know with that that's interesting and it's shockingly grounded relative to everything else because you've got matthew mcconaughey who is a huge surprise to even have show up but like he's got a fucking robot leg he drives that tow truck and they go to the nightmare house and he's just like his performance and the way that character is written is just off the goddamn rails. It's completely ridiculous. And those things together are really, really fascinating. Um, the relative backseat of Leatherface is really, really fascinating as well. Uh, you'd expect to see more Leatherface. They're trying to do a few different things with like visual matches that I don't super know if they work, but I almost like how the focus is on, you know, the next generation refers to a couple different things here. And you've got Matthew McConaughey and you've got, I don't know why in my head, this person, this lady works in like a real estate office, but it's the lady who's driving when they go to get pizza and there's uh, Renee Zellweger's in the trunk of the car. <laughs> like you've got her who frames herself as being trustworthy and then sort of like loops them all back in the, the, the dude from the porch. Uh, and just like it escalates. It's constantly escalating. It's constantly getting more ridiculous. And that's beyond being genuinely compelled by uh, that performance is especially from you know the two actors who would go on to be famous and huge, not just in a joke way. Like I'm genuinely compelled, and the movie's just off the goddamn rails. Like it ends with like a, literally the Men in Black showing up in like a weird limo and like chastising Matthew McConaughey and Co for what they're doing. Um, it's fucking crazy. It's a crazy thing to bear witness to. And it struck us hard and fast really early on. And it has stuck with me the entire time. And I do genuinely just think it is good and not in like a stupid way. It's really fun. It's really weird. It looks cool. It's got that classic 90s like horror update where it's like we got a bunch of blue and white lights and it shines through fog and whatever. But like it's colorful and interesting. The script is cool. It's got it's got everything. Wow, man, you sold me. It does sound like that movie stuck with you. You pulled out a lot of stuff from yeah. that movie. Great examples. <laughs> I, um, I might have more specifics for this than for my number two. <laughs> wow, yeah. Okay, so that was that was your number three, right? Yes. Okay. So what what is Mitch's number three? My number three... Also, gonna... Mitch, you gotta watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. You fucking have to. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, <laughs> I, I'm sure I do. I mean, I... I like the original. I'll have to check it out. But my number three, it might come as a surprise, is uh, is Cat People. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that looks. So I, I'm gonna go ahead and say now. I think Mitch. I think Liam was right that if it's not Cat People, it has to be Color of Money. Uh, maybe, but, but I I won't. Uh, even uh, even then, though, the fact that Cat People isn't number two, Corey, that surprises me. Uh Cat People's so good though. Yeah, talk about it, Mitch. Cat people. Um, where finally be- <laughs> where- another chance for us to talk about cat. People. Where to begin? I mean, based on the old RKO horrors that I love so much, the original one, uh, like the Val Luton film from the '40s, shot in a shoestring budget, super short runtime, definitely worth checking out. This remake is in very competent hands, directed by Paul Schrader, um, and uh, it's just gorgeously shot. And really excellent music, really great vibe. Um, just uh, a very sort of distinct 
horror film with a very um uh, like unimitatable sort of energy I, I don't i don't know if i've seen another movie quite like like cat people and what it's trying to do but uh yeah just a all-around extraordinary film and a really really movie that i hold quite closely but i i don't know like as for why it's number three i mean it's up against stiff competition and you'll you'll see soon enough but uh that sort of top three spot was sort of a a tricky one but that is where i put it fair enough man man. great that is that is a great teaser to be fair cat people wasn't my number one either (laughs) right right like that year yeah 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 and also if anyone's keeping score at home by process of elimination based on the 20 movies mitch has watched that means that one of his either one or two makes me very happy this is great news so we'll see what happens yeah william do you want to do your number two i do want to do my number two also for the record i think we're gonna do number two and then worst and then best Sure, and I'm thinking maybe um, once we get through our two and our worst, we should let Mitch drop his number one just because we'll know what it is after he drops the number two, whereas me and Corey's is a bit more of a toss-up, so it might be better to end on one of those. Sure. Sure. So what's your number two? Okay, my number two is a movie that um, I'm not necessarily surprised we haven't heard about yet. But if we don't hear about it again, I will be very, very surprised. It is Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. That's also my number two, so let's just talk about <laughs> Good. it Good. <now>. Okay, okay. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, if, if it hadn't been your number two, Corey, if, if, if something else had been there, then I would know that either that or my guess for your number one, Brady Bunch, would have been left Brady on the Bridge. list. And I would have and been floored. What a title. Oh. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2 is the best title of anything we've ever watched. Yeah, if we're just ranking titles. Hands <laughs> down. Um, another episode with a guest? Yes, yeah. Laura was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, that movie's like... So I have fewer specifics on hand. But that movie is good for all of the reasons I just said about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is that it's extremely competent and just good 80s horror. I know Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not 80s. Leave me alone. Um, But it's also just got some wild, truly wild shit in it. Exactly. Yeah, it is is so competent. I mean, there there are effects in here that like rival nightmare on elm street in terms of creativity but also in terms of the the way they accomplish it you know the effects like i'm thinking of the chalkboard scene Corey. oh that one's so fucking good amazing amazing kills give it a run to its money to like other classic chalkboard related horror movies (laughs) like what um i think i think uh, a nightmare on elm street movie's got one in my head that's what i'm thinking of maybe i'm wrong well, it it's certainly one of the first two have one. <laughs> nothing's coming to my mind, maybe, but it definitely rivals Nightmare on Elm Street just in terms of like that school aesthetic. But it comes up with a way to make it surreal and, and yeah unsettling. Um, yeah, so there are some incredible effects, incredible kills in this. Like, I'll just say, there's a locker kill in this involving a locker. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like. Again, in terms of the creativity of just the way the kill is in terms of effects, that is cool. But they managed to tie all these effects into a very engaging, well-acted, 
story and it feels like such a proper movie this is one of the four that i rewatched. so i just saw this yesterday and it feels like a blockbuster movie man like this movie takes its time um really cares about the characters all the way through and it's not just kills from from front to back by the time the evil takes hold you're a bit deep into the movie but you're still i'm still really into it and then when stuff really starts happening then it starts happening and then when you think you've hit the ceiling you get to the prom and the ceiling gets broken and even more stuff happens and it is just such an amazing ride this movie it is such a gem yeah and also all the performances are great like even from side characters that aren't even around for very long because uh you've got like her friend group and everything like that that's all really good I don't know. You kind of said it all, but yeah, that movie oh, is yeah. so fun to watch. Yeah, the friends. So fun to watch. Yeah, you just really care about those characters. Like, there's all sorts of cute little emotional teen moments in there, which I just love. Like, there's they're talking about like having a first kiss, or they're talking about yeah a, a boy that's left her and 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 she's pregnant. Like that stuff that like coming of age movie. I'm just so into it, so that when the horror happens, it's it's the carry formula. By the time the horror happens, you're like, oh my gosh, and it hits way harder and uh ramps up as the movie goes on it's just an incredible incredible story told in an incredible way yeah i i agree and i'm willing to leave it at that so mitch it's time let's round out your list Uh, what's what's two and one so number two drum roll troll two okay (laughs) yeah uh what else Man, Troll Two. I think I expected. That seems about right. I'm kind of surprised it's not number one, just based out of like childhood nostalgia. But I get it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I even said like during that particular cast that it wouldn't have been my number one, but um, like generally, like it's not. I don't even know if it makes it like on my like if I were making a top ten of like my actual favorite movies. Like I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. I remember I, you said that. I don't know if it would make it on, but uh, in this particular context, it definitely does. <laughs> Does this um, mean that one of us actually got a guess right? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Liam, like, uh, Liam got a long bomb. I think I might have got the twofer on that one. He did. It's the color of money. Fucking hell yeah. That movie rules. That movie so does rule. Um, like, I don't know what else to say about it. Like, it's just, just go listen to the episode. <laughs> yeah, just go listen to that episode. It was long ago. But I rewatched it kind of recently, and it still fucking rules. But. Yeah, just listen to the episode. It's uh, it's extraordinary that that film. Go to church. We yeah. got pretty biblical in that one, so we did. Okay, so yeah, oh, I I noticed something. Then what? That means there's something conspicuously missing from Mitch's list. What? Which, Nine, oh! movies. What? Liam, that is a very astute observation. Something is is missing. And what Liam is driving at is that not only did he guess my favorite film, but he also guessed my worst film. Which I think I also guessed then correctly. Uh, Yeah, you guessed it correctly as well. But it was just the number one that was a toss up. So you both you both got it. Yeah. Ace Ventura 2 is your worst. (sighs) Yeah. No contest for obvious reasons. Yeah, it's uh, it is a dreadful. Horrible. It is like not only is it a bad movie, but it like it gen like genuinely offended me. It did harm. 
Yeah. It is a slight against God, that movie. <laughs> it truly is, man. Fuck. It's offensive. So, are we doing our worst now, Liam? Oh, yeah. We've got to. Okay, right, 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 right. So, do you want to do, do the honors? Yeah, Mitch. Uh, I scratch your back and you scratch mine. Mitch got it right. My least favorite is actually Teen Wolf 2. I knew it. I- I can't believe that. I listened to that pod and you were, I think that was like the most I've ever sort of sound you or heard you get like really uh, negative about something. Yeah. And you know what? It it does kind of surprise me that this is my least favorite because I, I think I've been more upset by movies. Um, I don't know if yeah. you've heard those episodes, Mitch. Um, and if you have, then I think you're just really great at like reading absolute dejected despondentness because that's where i was at with teen wolf too it was just there's nothing really there for me uh, I, I picked out a few small things um and i think i've done that for most of the movies so once you when it, once it comes down to it that movie is just like such a void in my mind and i could feel it as i was watching the movie that like this movie isn't offering me anything um some some others that would have been candidates is new year's eve absolutely Corey, great guess on that one also a christmas story two yeah um really really hurt me um not not just because it's a sequel to a movie i love no but that that movie came in and and did us so dirty uh a few others would be Flatliners. That's also along the Teen Wolf 2 uh, place where it just like ended up really doing nothing. A huge letdown. Um, yeah, the, the, those are those are some good ones. Mary Poppins Returns didn't do much for me. What? That, 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 would, be, that would be down there, Mitch. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay, cool. So... Um, this was very, very close to the point where I've written down two different movies titles and they're just next to each other. Um, but only one of them is in parentheses and I'm deciding that if the one that in parentheses is not the one that I'm going to say (laughs) that was, that was why it was in parentheses. So my worst is Ace Ventura 2. Ha! I knew it. Mm. Um, but a Christmas story 2 is dangerously close nice dangerously close because uh ace ventura is truly offensive it's a truly miserable viewing experience um but a christmas story 2 is truly offensive in that it is it is a baffling from top to bottom viewing experience that just you watch it and you don't know why somebody would like that whereas like at the minimum and i still think ace ventura 2 is worse because of what it did to me personally but i can at least look at it and be like i guess i get why somebody likes this so i want to give a christmas story 2 it's due critique however ace ventura 2 fucking sucks so bad i cannot find the humor in it i cannot find the appeal in it i cannot find the fun in it and it feels like it takes 100 years to watch i feel like i'm still watching it right now i I really truly do i'm gonna be on my deathbed um assuming the planet hasn't like completely burned to a crisp by then and then nobody has beds anymore and i'm gonna be lying there um and I'm going to be like talking or like, like quietly, like people can't hear me because you know, I'm old and I'm struggling a little bit and they're like, Oh, what's he trying to say? <laughs> and, and I'm going to be like, 
can we turn Ace Ventura off? I know it's not even. <laughs> and they're like, it's not even on. Like, we don't know what he's talking about. Like, it's just gibberish words to them. But to me, in my mind and heart, that movie never ended. And it's brought me to my grave, to the foot of my grave. Oh, man. That is that is so cool that you guys have, have that in common. And for me, that movie would be like, if I were to rank all of season two, that would be like lower middle of the pack. Lower? I know. Because I was thinking about it and I was like, I knew that it couldn't be it for you because you liked the second half of it. Yeah. Yeah. What can I like say? Like a coward. That's my that's my Mary Poppins returns, I guess. Everybody gets one. Um All right, Liam. Yeah, so Corey, here's here's what I think we gotta do. We both have a one left. It could be one of I guess like almost forty. One of 40 like thirty six ish other movies. So here's oh, what honorable I think mentions, we, I guess, too. That that's right, yeah. Here's what I think we should do. Because you and Mitch both know that your guess of Scream Four was just a bit off and we haven't guess heard again? We haven't heard from you about the movie we guessed for you. I think if we are right about your guess, our guess, which is the Brady Bunch movie, I think you got to talk about it. But if it's not that, then I don't think it matters which one of us goes first. Let's talk about the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> now, nice. um, the Brady Bunch movie, much like Mamma Mia, literally changed my life. <laughs> Uh, the Brady Bunch movie is the most caught off guard I have potentially ever been by the quality of a movie. Um, I was generally unaware of who directed, wrote, was in the movie, everything. I didn't know shit. I didn't know shit about the Brady Bunch other than uh, a bunch of kids live in a house, fucking whatever. Um, the Brady Bunch movie is in every single way a completely pitch perfect satire of its source material while also managing to find so much humor throughout the rest of it that like every single fucking scene has something in it to get you and get you laughing really hard like i i don't have a single complaint I don't have a single single complaint about the Brady Bunch movie off the top of my head. I really don't. My Twitter bio still says Jan Brady Stan in it. So that would have been a clue uh, if anybody went yeah. to Twitter. It's still there. <laughs> Who would you be um, if, if that wasn't your number one? Now? I am the Jan Brady Stan. I uh, love Jan Brady in that movie more than, I don't know, most of my family. Um, I don't know. Like... <laughs> Every little line has something funny to it. I don't know. I don't know how else to like explain it other than just like it's so, so funny and it's so fun and every scene feels right. I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, it's all happening in far out ways. That's amazing, man. That's that's the movie that is also always playing in your head to combat Ace Ventura. <laughs> Positively, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I can't think of no better way to go out than turning off Ace Ventura 2, turning on the Brady Bunch movie, and slowly dying. Yeah, that is a great episode. And that was, I believe, a film general pick, right? 
Uh, yes, it was. <laughs> it was. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 great. I mean, film genero really. Corey, would you watch like <laughs> would <laughs> if the film genero gave you like ten Ace Venturas and one Brady Bunch movie? Is that worth it? Um, is would it have been worth watching ten Ace Ventura two quality movies to get the Brady Bunch in my life? Yes. Yes, but it would be pushing its luck by that point. <laughs> <laughs> Eleven, I might have to bow out. <laughs> That's asking a. It's asking a lot of me. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a big question. I don't mean to put that pressure on you. It's just also, amazing that the Genero gave that to you. That's all. Yeah, and like the whole cast is like fucking bulletproof in that movie. Shit. Was that was that certain for you since you watched the movie? Because you said Texas Chainsaw was going to be your number one for a while, and then maybe Mary Lou took it right when you saw that. How did that work? Um, to be completely honest with you, I would have to double check the order that I saw them in. Like I don't remember like when we watched them. Let me see if I can find that out. Really yeah, Mary Lou was October, so that's a, cu- a couple months after August, and then Brady Bunch might have hit. And- yeah, I think there was a window of time where it might have been between Texas Chainsaw and Mary Lou, but then Brady Bunch happened, and that was it. it was, that was a wrap. And it hit, and you just knew it, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that movie's so good. That's amazing. Mitch, have you seen that? Were you? Uh, no, I haven't. You have to, when we're done... This podcast—that's <laughs> my homework. You have to stop what you're doing. Go to your nearest television or computer, and just start watching it. Okay, that's a—that's uh, an order. I'll do it. And Doctor's then orders. And then you have to get back on the podcast and we record <laughs> an addendum where you slip that into your ranking. And if it's not number one, Mitch, I swear <laughs> God. Uh, All right, so Liam. This is our last one. Yeah. It's not what I said. <laughs> and it's not what Mitch said either, because he said the same thing you said. So this is where we find out it's Parent Trap 3. <laughs> Underrated Parent, gem. Parent Trap 3. <laughs> yeah. it's a, It was a made-for-TV movie in 1987 that I actually kind of liked. And I watched it again on a whim yesterday. Did I you actually? Fucking- absolutely not now oh my god (laughs) i was like wow um i found a couple things to like in that movie but obviously it's not your favorite i'm gonna do a dark horse guess here and say that maybe your number one is girl meets world (laughs) great guess mitch do you have anything else you want to throw out no i wouldn't know all right fair enough Corey, should i should i go for it you got any more musings nah go for it i'll hit it my number one is not Girl Meets World. Uh, ah, great guess, great guess. But that's sort of the Scream 4 thing. But Yeah, even... I kept just thinking of stuff that I know you like. <laughs> uh, yeah, like that's Scream 4, but even to a greater extent, where like I'm not that into Girl Meets World, but Boy Meets World, I mean, wow, it's up there. Um, my number one is... Uh, the fate has been sealed since our first episode of the season. It's, it's <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's fucking The next go. generation. <laughs> Let's that should have been obvious. I should have taken another guess. Ah, uh, that movie's. Uh, you know, I want to let you talk about it now. Yeah, you know, it's it. It wasn't clear to me all season long. I knew that I loved it, and I think I said on the episode that this is going to be top ten for sure. So I would be surprised if it if it wasn't top ten. 
Oh, maybe I should have flipped this with prom night. Eh, whatever. But <laughs> um, in comparing it to all these other movies, especially to the other three that I watched yesterday, this was my fourth movie that I watched yesterday. I saved it for last at night um, just because I was so curious where it lands because I came into the, the initial Texas Chainsaw episode um, the next generation not liking the next generation i thought it would be an interesting pick for uh the first of the season because our first ever episode we recorded texas chainsaw which came out uh, a few weeks into season one um so i thought it would be fun to start off season two with another texas chainsaw movie one that a lot of people deride people either cast this movie aside outright and don't bother with it or people hate it absolutely hate it that's once again the people are wrong (laughs) they're really all i hear about even more than scream three uh but they both have similar sort of similar similar conversations around them but i hear people who are huge texas chainsaw fans saying they're never going to watch this movie again if if they're like if their podcast does a texas chainsaw massacre franchise review they're not going to watch the next generation again and and i watched the next generation uh for the first time three years ago or so on dvd um i don't know if i i don't think i had any of those conversations in my mind at the time i don't think i had heard those i just popped in next generation and i did not like it it came out as like a i think i had it on letterbox as a 1.5 out of 5 it just it it felt so I can't even talk from that place anymore because that's not who I am, obviously. But um, it just it didn't hit. It, it it felt so bland to me. I don't I don't know how to describe it. And then in watching it again with Corey, I was one floored by Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Um, they Icons. Are both, they are both in this movie, and it's not like they played a smaller part, and then the marketing pushed them to the front when it turned out that they became stars. Marketing did push them to, to the front when they became stars in 1997. The movie was shelved from 94 to 97, and then was put out with their names on the poster. But it's fair enough, man. It is not misleading because they are the leads in the movie. Renee Zellweger is your protagonist. And even more than Leatherface, Matthew McConaughey is the antagonist of this movie. And they both give such incredible performances. The fact that they became huge stars is totally evident. I mean, Matthew McConaughey, one, he doesn't look like he's aged at all since the movie came out. And he was like 25 when they filmed this movie. He doesn't look like he's aged. So you don't have that thing where it's like I'm watching a younger version of this actor. It, it feels like you're watching the same guy that's in these m- modern movies that you very well might like. And so that helps the movie, but it also just helps that he had it from the very beginning. He had the acting chops. He had the intensity. He had the interesting character choices. He and just has even a, more than contemporary McConaughey, the willingness to fucking commit to some yo, dumb yeah. shit. Exactly. Like, he goes off. Like, I've talked before about how I love movies done by a first-time director where you feel like um, you you feel that they weren't sure if they were ever going to be able to make a movie again, so they just put their whole heart into it. Every idea they had, so much passion. And it feels like that's what Matthew McConaughey did for this movie. I don't know if he filmed this before or after Dazed and Confused. It must have been around the same time. But he certainly has... <clears throat> I'm getting so choked, choked up. up. He so has... fucking choked up. 
<laughs> um, it's uh, he has a bigger part in this and dazed and confused. And so even if this was after dazed and confused, I can feel him being like, okay, this is my leading man part. This is my antagonist part. I need to go for it, and he does. And same goes for Renee Zellweger. She ends up being the final girl in this movie, and she absolutely goes for it. She does the screams that that are in so many horror movies, but she does it with the emotion of and it's like physical. Cheryl Lee in Twin Peaks, and it is so physical. And she does so many insane stunts in this movie. I don't know if she's actually doing the stunts, but in watching this movie yesterday, there are some stunts that her character does where I, one, I can't tell if it's a stunt person and two, um, I can't tell like how they got a stunt person or Renee Zellweger to do that. Like you see her falling out of a car that's driving, slamming onto the ground. You see her jumping off of, um, a steel, like a big tall steel structure on a roof to a telephone wire, grabbing that, falling down two or three stories through a bunch of wood and onto the ground. You get her in really intense character situations where the bad guy has like a knife to her throat and is and standing up for herself viciously at her. And she's standing up for herself, but she's also in terror. Like she has that total character nailed down where it's not just a a subversion where it's like okay you're playing the final girl but you're really strong and so that's what you have to do the entire time no she's she feels so real in that she's terrified but she's learning to pick herself up as the movie goes on so those two characters feel and recognizing that like the antagonists are clearly dysfunctional goes a long way also i'm gonna correct a mistake now before in a year i regret it again flip prom night in texas chainsaw you're right <laughs> okay let's so just that... fix this now this is now my number two okay let's um... just fix this before it becomes a problem <laughs> um and then beyond that okay you have these two whopper performances and i would say most people that that dog on this movie would likely be able to at least concede to that Th- these people became huge actors they're in this movie so um what else does the movie have well it has that dysfunction element that Corey just mentioned that unsettling texas chainsaw massacre element and it pushes it to 11 in the way that the original movie does and in the way the toby hooper penned sequel does it feels so in line with those movies where it is like the blackest of comedies, but it's also horrifying. It's it's written and directed by Kim Henkel, who co-wrote the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Toby Hooper. And I don't think that that can be ignored. Like, I think this dude knew what Toby Hooper, Hooper was trying to do with the black comedy of that original movie. And some people don't feel it in that original movie, and that's totally fine. And I think in this movie, it is subtle as well, if you're not really well, looking for it. I was actually going to say, I think it's worth noting for people who might seek this out after we talk about it so glowingly again, that the movie might hit you weirdly at first, like it's trying too hard to be kind of funny at certain points. Like I could see an audience thinking that instead, um, because I think that like big complaints against like the McConaughey performance and stuff is like it's too goofy. But for me, it worked in, in without that being an issue. But like I think that you could either miss it entirely or think it's too much, which is kind of interesting. 
That's fair. Yeah. And after rewatching it last night, I, I'm dying to get to some next generation podcasts again with fresh, fresh eyes, fresh ears, and just see what people are saying about this because I'm serious, dude. I cannot understand how this movie doesn't have the cult following that basically every every one of the Friday the 13th sequels has. Some people like those like the the first few Friday the 13th movies more than others, but every single sequel is remembered for some sort of reason and every single sequel is someone's favorite. And this movie feels right in line with that. We're like it's doing so many wild things that I don't understand how at least <clears throat> I don't understand at least how more people don't love it. You look at this on Letterboxd and all the ratings are so far to the left. I am like one of 160 people or something that rated this a five star to the thousands that are over in like the half star, one star, one and a half star range. And I honestly do not get it. This movie is so up high for me. I think... The biggest reason is that, like, I still don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on in the movie. Not in the Troll 2 way, where it, like, seems incompetent. This movie seems very competent to me. Um, but in the way that, like, there, all the stuff in the house, the house is so cluttered and busy in that set design. It's so unsettling. And the way the, the family works together, you have Leatherface, but you don't have the same family members from the first two movies. So there's something else going on here. And I don't think that that is just a retcon. Um, that's not how it feels with the dialogue. There's something else going on here, in particular with the the Men in Black uh, ending. It, it shows that something else is happening here. And I think I have a good chunk of it figured out. But... The fact that I don't have this movie entirely pinned down the way that I feel like I have My Bloody Valentine, uh, Prom Night 2, The Fly 2, stuff like that totally pinned down makes it that much more captivating and lovable to me. This movie is just like so otherworldly, but it, it, it seems like it really does know what it's doing. And some of the acting of the side characters, like... I concede this isn't uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey performance all the board. You got some bad actors doing the side characters, but their lines are really funny and charming enough that they. it also has that like late sequel Friday the 13th charm where it's like these, these people are not A-list actors. They probably didn't get to work again, but they've got charm to them. And so I love those little bits of levity in the movie. But then when the movie really gets going, um, it, it goes so hard and uh, it just like absolutely blows my mind that this doesn't have a bigger, bigger following. I know that Scream Factory put out uh, a version of the movie recently which makes me so happy and it has a commentary with Kim Henkel which I'm just dying to listen to and so there must be some fans out there but I really think that like Marty McFly you guys don't get it but your kids are gonna love it I think something like that is coming in the next couple decades for this movie and people are gonna come around on it because 
this movie is just so amazing the choices it makes and you guys you guys have to listen to the next generation episode Corey and i did because we were both taken by surprise we weren't expecting massively we weren't expecting to be contrarians when it came to the next generation i mean lord knows we've watched movies on this movie on this podcast before that have bad reps and we're like yep we're right there with it in fact it's even worse than people say but this movie (laughs) it didn't didn't come across that way to either of us and Corey and i didn't watch this movie together we had no idea where the other person was going to come from and the fact that we both lined up you know if you guys you can just point to basically any episode Corey and i often don't line up and so the fact that we both loved this movie and were fascinated by this movie i really think says a lot and this so, movie could uh heal societal division <laughs> exactly just Corey think about and I, it Corey and i hated each other all through season one and then we did this episode <laughs> in season two and now we're bros you ever see west side story <laughs> you know what they yeah. could have used you know what spielberg should put in his fucking remake of west side story an extended 90 minute sequence where everybody sits down and just watches <laughs> this movie um uh last note i'd like to leave people with on this movie is that i gave it a four and a half on letterbox when we watched it the first time i am That's one of eye. 66 people to do that Liam gave it a five. He is one of 131 people to do that. Oh, and t- Whereas talk about- it, it has nearly 1,200 half-star ratings, nearly 2,000 one-star ratings, n- nearly 1,300 one-and-a-half-star ratings. All of those people are fucking cowards. Yeah, I, I really don't get it. I think this movie is funny interesting and i really do think this movie is scary some of the taunting that matthew mcconaughey does to renee zellweger in this movie i think it's there's really unsettling stuff in this movie and i i love it so much mitch you should watch it he's watching he's you think so right now (laughs) (laughs) no sorry i just had my microphone turned off that's good yeah we went on a bit of a rant there but um before we head to wrapping stuff, does everybody just want to get, read their top 10 one more time? Like, Mitch, do you want to start? Just go over what your top 10 was. Yeah, absolutely. So at number 10, Fright Night Part 2. Number 9, Mary Poppins Returns. Number 8, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Number 7, The French Connection 2. Number 6, The Night of the Living Dead. Number 5, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Number 4, Creep 2. 3, Cat People. Who's getting texts? me two troll two <laughs> and one the color of money and liam do you want to do yours yeah mine is number 10 twin peaks fire walk with me nine silent night deadly night part two eight troll two seven friday the 13th 2009 six the fly two five bill and ted face the music four my bloody valentine 3d three scream four two hello mary lou prom night two and one texas chainsaw massacre the next generation man that was really yours is really quite distinct all these lists are actually pretty distinct i was kind of surprised like there's Mine some consensus through necessity but sure like, there's some consensus about the best but like the midst of liam's is different than the midst of mine which i think is cool um Mine is technically I put eleven Silent Night Deadly Night Part Two, uh, ten Fright Night Part Two, nine Night of the Living Dead, eight Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was surprised I was the only person who put that on. Um, 
Seven, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Six, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Five, Scream 4. Four, Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Three has been corrected to Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. Two, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. And one, The Brady Bunch Movie. That's a pretty good haul. What are some uh, honorable mentions, Corey, mm. you, you might have just considered on your short list or, or just missed the top 10? Troll 2 was fascinating, but I decided it had too much of a reputation to count, and I wanted to give that space to other things. I don't know if it would have even made it still, but that's why it's not on there. Uh, <laughs> this might be a bit of a surprise. I wanted to give an honorable mention to Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, yeah. I, I considered that as well. Yeah, me too. Uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? is really good like foundationally good horror and how it's structured and everything just for kids or for younger yeah. people anyway and i think it's really good at what it's trying to do uh and i'm curious to see what that new season ends up looking like um also as mentioned i do want to actually genuinely give an honorable mention to the descent part too those are mine those are my big ones nice for me um i'd have creep 2 right up there with mitch i'd include house on haunted hill another one that really oh yeah me too me. I, keep, I keep forgetting that <laughs> yeah that that was a next generation thing where the first time i watched that movie it was like a one out of five and then this time my tastes changed enough and a lot of fun that's a that's a seven or an eight out of ten that movie I would I would give uh, a nod to Leprechaun Three, Corey. <laughs> a lot of fun <laughs> with that one. Yeah, not bad. Um, Brady Bunch movie for sure. So funny, and that that one could definitely climb the ranks upon rewatch. And I'll I'll love that movie more. I had a bit of it, some issues with it, but Corey is right that the comedy in that movie is often so good. Uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, I really like, but it's it's not a rewatcher the way all these other ones are. Halloween six because it's a I love that Halloween vibe Michael Myers slashing but it's not one of uh, my favorite Halloween movies and also Island of Dr. Moreau had the had some of that next generation fascination factor to it <laughs> and and so I, re I really enjoyed that one too so th yeah, those I are all about I'd say seven to eight out of ten movies for me yeah I think in a world where the Brady Bunch doesn't exist, by the way, it's absolutely Texas Chainsaw for that very energy that you're saying some of these other movies have. But I guess Mitch doesn't need to do honorable mentions. So he kind of covered it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I'm <laughs> so it. Uh, you go, Mitch. I said there's nothing really honorable about, about most of my mentions. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited for this time next year when we get a full 50 some movie list from Mitch. Um, and it'll come faster than we ex when we, than we think, uh, based on how quickly this year went. So, man, it'll it'll be great. With that out of the way, before we go, just a little bit of season three housekeeping that we wanted to cover off everybody. We're not taking a break, so next week there will be another episode in your feed. Don't have to worry about that. Uh, and we are keeping the tradition alive. Um, if anybody doesn't know, the tradition does not bear itself out clearly on paper. But the first episode that we ever recorded was on the. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. Uh, it got released a little bit later, but it was the first time Liam and I ever sat down, turned mics on, and recorded. So this season, this past season, I should say, Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation was born of that. Paid off in spades, too. And it paid off in spades. So season three will start with a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. We have not decided which one yet, but it will be one of those. 
Uh, after that, we're gonna do something that's a little bit more of of Mitch's persuasion. We've got a lot on the uh, list, so we want to check a couple boxes off. Don't worry, we're not trying to actively kill you on this show. And um, anybody worried about the Genero? Don't worry, the William Castle film Genero will return. But for a few weeks at least, we do have some stuff that we've just been meaning to get to, and we figured fresh, clean slate. We're going to do it then, so you can expect uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre something, and then something from Mitch's catalog, and then we'll take it from there to start Season 3, which will kick off again, as mentioned. That episode will come out August 4th next week. That sounds good. It's It sounds like Season 3, we're going to ride a line. It's going to be a mix of Season 1 and 2. Some Genero, some not, because <laughs> I, I noticed... To be fair, Season 2 was also that. <laughs> not as much though i mean uh once we had the general we stuck with it exactly exactly and i noticed while doing my list i didn't want to say it in the middle because it would have been a bit of a spoiler but not a single general pick is on my list that's so i've got a few but that's extremely funny so uh that might say some stuff must, must be nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Two sides of the same coin. The um, duality of man. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, But it's been a great year. It's been a really fun year. We watched a lot of great movies. We watched some absolute shit. We brought Mitch on board, which I think was a great decision. We got a bunch of our friends on. We'll get even more. I know I said this uh, at the end of last year, and it was some famous last words. But uh, we do have some slightly loftier goals. Uh, if we can get a few maybe industry folks on here, we're, we're going to look into that. Uh, stay tuned. But yeah, we just want to keep doing it. We want to keep uh, watching these movies, having good chats. And again, I do want to encourage anybody who listens on a regular basis. If you want to reach out, um, anchor voice messages or emails or anything are all super welcome. I think we'd be thrilled to engage a little bit more on that front. Um, and make a little bit more time to do so for sure, because obviously it's a bit of a demand on everybody, but it's been great to look back, but I'm as excited to keep going and get into some more fucking terrible movies and hopefully a couple good ones. Always good chats at the very least. Yeah. Bare minimum. Okay. So without further ado, Mitch, I heard a little bit of a little bit of a squeeze. Is he still alive over there or was that his? Do you, body uh, oh, wait, wait, what do I have? I, um, um, do you have any plugs? Not even for the finale. <laughs> <laughs> was that real? That was, a, that was a good finale move. You asked uh, for that one, Corey. Uh, I guess, uh, Liam, what would you like to uh, what would you like to plug? You guys can find my film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Price. You can listen to the other podcasts that I do, uh, MK Podquest with our friend Neil. We're working our way through the Defenders of the Realm Mortal Combat cartoon. That's MK Podquest everywhere on the internet. Before we go, as well, I'd like to thank all the guests that joined us for this season. A bunch of our friends stopped by. Uh, we're looking forward to having more of them on, but big thank yous to Ben and Kirby, Laura, Jade, Jason, Madeline, and Bean, and Neil for stopping by. We're looking forward to maybe expanding that catalog a little bit more. 
Mitch already gets a lot of credit now anyway, so he is no longer considered under our guest thank yous. And uh, with that all out of the way, thank you all once again for listening to this finale episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at T-M-A-O. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and a breakdown of what some of your favorite films of the season were if you were watching along. Our fantastic thumbnail art, which was redone over the course of season two, uh, is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, catch us here next time for season three. And they made another one. <laughs>